Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Minshew goes out of the gun, looks to pass, looks left in the pocket, rolls out to his right side, throws on the run. That's a catch in the plus territory. Down the near sideline go the Colts. Josh Downs inside the 30 and then scrambles down to the Raiders 20-yard line. Enormous play. It's a gain of 50 to Josh Downs. Shotgun snap to Minshew. Outside give to Taylor. Stretching it out. He's at the 5 and he walks in untouched. Jonathan Taylor punctuates the opening possession for the Colts on a five-yard touchdown run. Play action, Minshew, feeling pressure, taking a shot downfield for Alec Pierce. He's got it! Yards after the catch, the 10, angling right for the 5, and he's at the pylon, touchdown! A bomb from Gardner Minshew to Alec Pierce. Hey, great win, great win, right? We got the first thing done. We got the first thing done, and that's getting this win, right? did it together and it took all four quarters and it took every single body in this room right next week right it's done right so we got to have our best week our very best week of preparation that you've ever done in your life because like Gardner said last week this don't come around very often and it's here and we all got to be on our best never ask for to be easy all we ask for is a chance what we gonna do with it, huh? Yeah, hey, hit on three. One, two, three. Win! the music, the moment you it, you better never let it go. So how's this for a first week of January? Everything on the line for the Indianapolis Colts. And oh yeah, the Pacers now 3-1 and one against the Milwaukee Bucks. A welcome in. It is a Tuesday here on The Fan. It's the wake-up call. KB and Andy. No KB today. James Boyd from The Athletics sitting in. Mark Dighton producing today's effort. Good God, whatever Bowen's doing with 15 kids in Florida, we send a prayer <laughs> up to Kevin Bowen. Uh, but the Colts are winners. JB, thanks for joining Joining us this morning, you a morning person? We never done radio together, have we? Look, I am a whatever you need me to be person. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Mark, hope you had a good weekend as well. Oh yeah, uh, putting that together. Today is the the saddest day though for everybody. Like you now, you're like back to work. Like Christmas is over, Thanksgiving's over, New Year's is over. All the personal time off days roll back and everything. <laughs> you gotta start. You gotta start uh, all over on this January. Uh, but we appreciate you joining us here on the wake up call. Listen. Uh, Uh, Listen, I know I was wrong about this Colts team, and we sit here today. We're going to have today. We're going to have Wednesday. We're going to have Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday during the day where you're going to have that pit in your stomach. Are you not that nervousness? Are the Colts going to the playoffs? And we will find out Saturday night right here on the Fan. James, uh, an unbelievable season. And you know what's interesting? We'll get into a bunch of things. We'll talk, actually, Jonathan Alexander is going to join us. We'll 
talk with him coming up uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, he writes for the Houston Chronicles. We get ready for this Texans matchup that's going to mean everything. Win and you're in for the Colts. Rick Carlisle, fresh off uh, four straight victories, fresh off a beatdown last night in Milwaukee. My man TJ McConnell doing work, Halliburton doing work. We'll dive into that. Carlisle set to join us, Pacers head coach at 8 o'clock. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, every other day, Every other game, James, we've walked in here and we've broken down the game, right? Whether it be Anthony Richardson or it be Gardner Minshew, and there have been injuries and there have been good and there has been bad. But today we sit here and it's an odd day because I don't think we break down the Raiders game too much. I mean, we'll, we will a little bit. There were uh, obviously some good things that happened. There were some frustrating things that happened in that <laughs> game. But you walk away with a win, and it is rare that it sets up this. That it sets up if you win on Saturday against the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud, and who, by the way, have had also, much like you, an unbelievable season uh, for what we thought they would be you win and you're in you lose and you're going home and it's that clear cut and it's that simple and I feel like the next now less than a week is going to be one long pregame as we get Colts fans (laughs) ready for Saturday night how you doing man I'm doing good I'm excited about it obviously because I think when it comes to sports this is what you want this is what you live for. Even as a reporter, I love do or die moments. I was thinking to myself, I haven't covered a playoff game at Lucas Oil Stadium since I was a high school reporter and I was covering the state championship. So sure. To be on this stage and to capture this moment, I'm excited for it. And I think as the players talking to them, they were ready to move on as well. I don't know if they really recap too much about the Raiders. You look at what you did right and what you did wrong, but a lot of them were just looking at how can we – use this to catapult us further into the postseason. So not a lot of celebrating as you would expect. You know, just right after the game, there was some, but a lot of guys were just retooling and refocusing for the biggest game of their season, and in some cases, the biggest game of their lives. Yeah, especially when you talk about a team that's young uh, and everything else. But listen, we can talk about the game uh, with the Raiders. I was out there. I know you were out there. Yep. Oh, of course, you were out there as well in the locker room and everything else. Uh, just, you know, Antonio Pierce, I thought, coach scared in that game. We talked about that before we came on the air, and the Colts did not. And you know what's funny? There was a graphic that went around. There was a graphic that went around. And listen, Antonio Pierce... Uh, I think is what was a fantastic player in the in the NFL. I don't think he's got a chance to get the job, but everyone has seen it. There's there's a graphic that ever since Antonio Pierce, you know, they they're first in the league in points allowed, and they were first in the league in defensive touchdowns, and they had you know they had all what twenty four sacks, and they had all these different things, and they had takeaways, and they had they had back to back games where they had a pick six and everything that they did, and none of that came to fruition on Sunday uh, in Lucas Oil. Not a second of it. Now, you know who I watch the game next to? You'll never know this. I bet fans don't even know this happened. You ready for this? I am ready for this. Mark, you'll love this. I watch the game next to James White. The oh. former New England Patriot who was in the who is it's so random. It, it is. Who is it? He was calling it for Sports USA National gotcha. Radio. Okay. And you know who he was in an elevator with? You'll love this. He was in an elevator going, you know, down to the field and everything else before the game. He knows a bunch of people on all these teams. He was in an elevator with Matt Ryan. 
Oh my gosh. If you remember 28 to 3, James scored the game winning touchdown that did not give Matt Ryan the Atlanta Falcons. That well, look, if, if I'm Matt Ryan, I ever see him, we got a box on yeah. site. James was like, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think he knew who I was. I was like, well, you better. Uh, you're one reason he's, you know, he's not wearing that big ring. But uh, it we is. We have Matt Ryan. It is, it is rare, rare, rare that you get this. And that is you get a week to focus. I mean, this is essentially a playoff game. It for is. The Colts. They sit here. It's a playoff game. I thought Shane Steichen, after the game, summed up kind of what I'm talking about and what you're talking about, how about having to move on. Yeah, not, no zero, zero time to enjoy this one. Is that normal for you, or is this week different because of what's at stake? It's pretty normal. I mean, I might enjoy it for an hour or so, but that's about it. And that's Shane Steichen after the game. You move on. The Texans won on Sunday. They won big. C.J. Stroud didn't have to do too much. And now we lock in for today, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and into Saturday morning. You sit here. You're going to be on edge at work. Will the Colts make the playoffs? That's where we are. Yeah, I'm thinking about where would they go if they do win. And just the challenge of it because this is going to be the first starting quarterback that they face in a month. So although C.J. Stroud is a rookie, I know Zaire Franklin was really high on him after the game, talking about how talented he is, doesn't play like a first-year player, and all those factors that will obviously sway or swing this game. And so um, I even think back to you know earlier this season where neither team I thought was going to be very good at all, and obviously the Colts looked so much different. And even for this game, JT's playing. He wasn't playing the first time. Oh, sure. Why well, Anthony Richardson he played, played, you know, what, uh, what, a quarter and a half or so? Exactly. Yeah. Same with Juju Brents. He wasn't out there. So a lot of these factors that you look at now, you're like, okay, this guy might make a play who wasn't even out there the first time. And I think the key, like it always is with Gardner Minshew back there, is just take care of the football. Because when he take care, takes care of the football, they don't turn it over. They usually have a chance to win the game. And so um, in the times that they haven't won, it's because they get a little sloppy. So I'm excited to be out there at Lucas Oil Stadium. Again, my first time being in this environment for like a playoff setting. And it's prime time, too. So I don't mind losing any sleep that night. I'll be up until 3 or 4 a.m., but I'm ready for it. <laughs> Mark, were we right on this or were we wrong on this off the air? I feel I feel like on the air we were like, this is never going to be a Saturday game. Didn't we do that last yeah. week? How it wasn't going to be a Saturday game and then it got picked to be a Saturday game? Listen, I love it. I'll go a step further. This The game that we are going to be covering this week, to me... Uh, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. Coming up at 7.30, I want to dive into other scenarios. Listen, there's a lot going on in the NFL. Things that could happen, where the Colts could go if they were to win, those sorts of things. Um, but this, to me, if I... Listen, tell me if I'm wrong. This is the crown jewel of the weekend, is this game. Because it is a win and you get in. And I think the one on top of that would be Bill's Dolphins. Because if the Bills win, and that's going to be your Sunday night game, so that's going to be literally the last game of the final weekend of the NFL. But the Dolphins have already clinched. They're already in the playoffs, James. So, and listen, and they're not playing well. I'm not acting like they're playing some good football. We can dive into a bigger look around the NFL as we go today. We will as we go this week. Uh, But the Bills... They've obviously been a story, and the Bills can win the AFC East. But what we have down the road here at Lucas Oil, to me, is the crown jewel of the weekend. I mean, you have two teams. You win, and you're in. Everything else uh, is about seeding. There's some back end of the NFC stuff. Sorry, Mark. James, you know this, right? Mark, sorry about your Packers. 
Uh, not my now your Packers, but you know, uh, it's not good. How are the Packers going to make the playoffs potentially? That's an entirely different story. I thought they were left for dead uh, a while ago, but uh, it is rare in sports that you get a win and you're in, and it makes us move off the Raider game pretty damn quick. That's how I feel about it, and that's why we're going to talk to Jonathan uh, Alexander. I, I have just been at every step. I was wrong on this game. I thought the defensive line for the Raiders would get to Minshew. I thought there would be a turnover somewhere. I did not think we'd be looking at Jonathan Taylor. And listen, you talk about the game on Sunday against Houston. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had his best output of the year. What? At least since, what, week eight against the Saints? I mean, this is a guy that, you know, and Taylor has had injuries. He's a guy that's had some games where the Colts just haven't been able to run the football. I mean, not only that... Look what the Colts did in the secondary on Sunday. How does that carry over from Houston? I mean, Ronnie Harrison Jr. back to back to playing defensive back. Uh, this is a guy that was filling in for Shaq Leonard three weeks ago when Shaq Leonard was gone. So uh, I know I was wrong about this team. I think everyone was wrong about this team. And what makes this an odd week is I want to sit here and I want to praise the Colts. But it feels like so much of that is going to be predicated on what happens on Saturday. Does it not? I mean, it feels like people here, and I even ran into this last, I even ran into this during the game, after the game, James, where people are still, well, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a rebuild with year seven with Chris Ballard. That's what I always get hit with. And while there are tentacles of that that are absolutely true, you have to enjoy a team that has went from, quite frankly, the bottom of the NFL to where they entered this season to be in a team that is 60 minutes away from you leaving Lucas Oil, a playoff team, you feeling good about, well, you feel good about the defensive line, don't you? You may feel good about Jonathan Taylor. You're going to feel good about Shane Steichen. All of these things are happening all at once. Uh, And Saturday is going to mean so much, man. It's going to mean so much. It's going to come down to if they make the playoffs. It's going to come down to whether you're happy with Chris Ballard or not. It's going to come down to uh, if everything that has systematically happened the entire offseason to get to this point, what's going to matter? It's all going to matter on Saturday. Yeah, JT put it pretty simply in the locker room after the game. Jonathan Taylor, he was like, winning solves all your problems. That's all they got to do this week. <laughs> That's all they got to do is do or die, and they're trying to stay alive. And Stroud, Stroud was... Pretty, he had to be pretty pedestrian. I didn't get to see too much of that game. I went back and watched some Red Zone because, uh, yes, I taped the Red Zone and I watched some of the Red Zone because I'm a sick and twisted <laughs> individual. But uh, he didn't. He didn't. Ha- he didn't have to do too much uh, back from back from his two games. So uh, the Titans. Woof. Woof. If you're relying on the Tennessee Titans for anything at the end of the year, and again, you could still win the AFC South if Jacksonville, who by the way won with C.J. Beathard, uh, if Jacksonville were to lose to Tennessee, I don't know if you throw in Ryan Tannehill. I don't know if that makes you feel like maybe the KG vet has one more game in him, uh, <laughs> given that Levis got injured. I, I certainly don't feel that way. The Texans were winners 26-3. to uh, Kind of a sleepy game there. Before we take our first break, we should mention as well, Rick Carlisle going to join us at 8 o'clock. I, I, I love last night's game with the Pacers, and I'll tell you why, James. Because 
Giannis threw that fit about the damn game ball last time they played. You remember? You remember that, Mark? Oh. I know you remember. We did three How days. Can I forget? We did three days of radio <laughs> on it. Okay, and and he was not happy about that game ball. And so, what was last night supposed to be? Last night was supposed to be. Uh, uh, get back! We're 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 gonna we're gonna beat you down, you little Indiana Pacers. We're gonna take care of you, Pacers. And the Pacers get down. What was that? I think about fifteen in the first quarter, and they can't make a three, which is not good when you're predicated on what James making, making three threes, pointers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when you're predicated on making threes, and then you don't make threes, it looked like oh boy, Giannis and company, Chris Middleton, Dame Lillard, Dame time that they're gonna get theirs right. They're going to get their pay back tonight uh, and, you know, whatever. And then the Pacers chip away and then the Pacers take the lead in the fourth quarter and then the Pacers extend the lead in the fourth quarter and then Matherin D's up on Middleton and Dame doesn't have the game and everything else. Hell, they even called one of those 10-second counts on a free throw on Giannis, which I haven't seen, you know, in, in how long? And the dude takes like 13 seconds every time he shoots a free throw and the Pacers go on the road and they're now 3-1 and one, and I didn't think they were going to win that game. I certainly did not think they were going to win that game when they're down 10, 12, 14, 15 points uh, in the first quarter, but they come back, and now this is four games in a row. Now, they're going to have to do something with the lineup, with Nemhard being injured. Again, this will be four straight games. They go and make a change with the starting lineup. They're a 500 basketball team, James. They win four straight, and and, and, and three of those on the road, by the way, uh, and so the Pacers they got to go and interested in what Rick Carlisle will say. Uh, four straight games with that lineup. Uh, what will they do now? An update on Andrew Nemhard. We'll get to that. And then I'm interested as well with Carlisle. Just how does Halliburton play the minutes he does and doesn't turn the ball over? Uh, to me, that's the freak show thing. He was one rebound away from a triple-double last night, scoring, getting into the lane. Uh, the Bucks could not stop him and the Pacers winners last night. So uh, we have a lot to get to today. It's going to be a week of fun football around here. Colts and Texans, it means everything. Saturday night, you'll hear it on the fan. Uh, Pacer winner, Pacers winners as well. We do have a college football playoff is set. Michael Penix Jr. last night, balling out. I think we all went to sleep before that game ended, did we not? Let's just be honest. Should we be honest? Mark, you went to bed, didn't you? It was halfway through the third quarter. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to bed it's almost 1130. <laughs> I think we all passed out in the third quarter. It's when we all went to yeah, sleep on I, that game. I skipped out maybe about three minutes to go or something yeah. like that. See, we all we all gave in. Harbaugh and company get a win over uh, Nick Saban, which was just funny because when Alabama went up 7-0, every SEC honk on my on my, on my <laughs> timeline was, Harbaugh's going to get it now. He ain't, They ain't never seen anything like Alabama and then they go on and they win the game. So the college football playoff is set as well. Purdue in action tonight in college basketball. So tons of things to talk about, and we'll do it. Hanging out with you, he's James Boyd. I'm Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton. We got you until 10 o'clock right here on the Wake Up Call. It's the fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. 
All right, your morning check down. I always forget, James Boyd, you know how all this works, the morning check down, the back and forth here. You ready to do this? Let's do this. You ready to do a morning check down? All right, let's get people to score us 23-20. That's your result from Sunday. Colts over the Raiders. The Colts, well, they cover, and they move on to a win, and you're in. Post-game, Shane Steichen on the bounce back. I think it's resilience, right? Shooting in this league, sometimes you get beat, and you don't want to get beat like we did in Cincinnati. You don't want to get beat like we did in Atlanta. How are we going to respond to it? And uh, we can't let that happen week in and week out. You got to bounce back, and our guys have done a heck of a job bouncing back uh, the last two times that's happened to us. And obviously, we got a great opportunity at home again uh, against Houston. I know it's a corny thing, James, but uh, you know, I mean, this team has this team was three and five. They were done. Let's not act like they weren't done at 3-5. and five. How many people thought, okay, this is a team that's going to be there at the back end of the season with the last couple weeks with a chance to make the playoffs and a win and, you're get in, and, and you get in? And they absolutely bounce back. I meant to ask you, we'll do it at 7.30, what surprised you the most about the game on Sunday against the Raiders? What was it? Is there a singular thing that you're like, wow, I did not... I, I tell you what, I'll tell you what mine is. The lack of getting to the quarterback on both sides. I was stunned. One sack for the Raiders. Raiders, just two sacks for the Colts, and I thought it would be a game. You know, the Colts have had success in one game. They've had four or five sacks, and they didn't. They had two in that game, uh, and besides Max Crosby punching a ball out, which Michael Pittman was able to jump on, that defensive line, for the most part, Gardner Minshew was able to navigate it. That surprised me. Yeah, I think what surprised me was Devontae Adams going off and it not really affecting the outcome of the game. He had the second touchdown, but it was late, and it was kind of like cosmetic. They didn't really let him go off. It was hard, you know, for them to defend him, but he was about the only guy who did, you know, consistently gash them on offense, and the rest of it, they just were able to rally around around the rest of the guys. He might have had 20 targets in that game. He did. I think it was he, 21. He, uh, was it 21? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get, get the ball to that's your best not, player. That's not bad. He had 13 for 126. The second one, I told you, I was sitting next to James White. I mean, he's holding the ball up on his shoulder. And that ball doesn't move while he's being tackled and while he goes uh, down, you know, while he goes down to the turf. Sounds like the Colts need to go get some Devontae Adams. 23-20 (laughs) sets up a win, and you're in again Saturday night right here on The Fan. Give me a swoosh. Uh, Elsewhere in the NFL, anything else stand out to you this weekend? We were talking during the break. Chiefs 25-17 over the Bengals. Boy, for what, two and a half, three quarters? Your thing is, Jake Browning really going to go in and ruin Kansas City? And while that was big, and I know Rake Straw talked about it in the postgame, and we talked about it, that was big because if you you were tied with the Bengals. They had the tiebreaker exactly. over you. Yeah. So you needed to get Cincinnati all the way out of here. And Kansas City wins in Kansas City. Their, uh, was it their fourth straight AFC championship game? Yeah. I mean, or or uh, AFC West, I should say. And they win it every year. Yeah, it, it seems like they're always in it, even when the sky is falling. But in that same vein, I was kind of surprised at how things went with the Eagles and how they lost, and how everything looks so hard for them offensively, and I'm just thinking to myself, wow, I know Indianapolis is really happy to have Shane Steichen because it seems like that loss for them has really changed the structure of their team, and also defensively with Jonathan Gannon going elsewhere as well. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they're down two scores at halftime were were the Cardinals, and they come back and they win in Philadelphia. Philly's a broken team. They get the Giants a final week of the year, Uh, so they'll be there. They're in the playoffs. Will they win the East? I still think that's going to be the Cowboys. I think the other one, I mean, a couple others for me, Jags over the Panthers, not a surprise, and then, you talk about the Eagles being a front-runner team. Uh, There is no bigger front-runner team than the Miami Dolphins. 56- 
to 19 losers to the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson will wrap up his second NFL MVP. I'm sure glad the Ra- the Ravens are happy they paid him. Yeah, he's a uh, very <laughs> probably co- good that they paid him. Know, very quarterbacky, you know, and but he's uh, a talented guy. I mean, he's. And it amazes me the the Colts actually beat them earlier this year, I which know. is a huge win. And they had obviously. a ton of injuries, but still, but, yeah, Lamar had five you, touchdowns. You knocked off the best team and the best player during this season, so that just speaks to how the NFL every week. I guess you have a chance, and it's been amazing to kind of watch him, Lamar, that is, uh, take off this year and kind of prove a lot of naysayers wrong. But at the same time, um, you know, this is Indianapolis. They don't care about what's going on in Baltimore. They care about what's going on. This Saturday against the Texans. Everyone, everyone's already heard my rant on the way Lamar Jackson's covered on both sides. I hate it. Give me another swoosh here. Uh, Pacer win, Pacers winners last night, 122-113. Again, uh, 3-1 and one now against the Milwaukee Bucks postgame. Rick Carlisle, who's supposed to join us at 8 o'clock on the win. Hold on. Jesus. Very tough game. Very proud of the way we hung in the game and uh, continue to play when our shot-making was struggling really all night. McConnell was brilliant. He was great in the first half, and you know the second half really speaks for itself. You know, I just thought we did a lot of things that you need to do on the road. You know, you got to keep your poise, you got to stay aggressive, and and we we kept good internal energy, kept believing in each other. Tough win, and uh, Wednesday will be another very tough one. Uh, the Pacers down 15 in this game. Down, oh goodness, I want to say they were down in the third quarter, about eight or nine points. They come back and win, but it's not. A, it's what he said there. They shot five of 35 from three-point range. Again, let me say that again. Five of 35 from three-point range. That's 14%. They do get to the line 38 times, and they beat Giannis. Giannis was fantastic with a triple-double. Tyrese Halliburton, 26, 11 assists, nine rebounds just a couple turnovers again to do the things that he does without turning the football over uh, makes absolutely no sense. Give me another swoosh. It is. It's ridiculous. No, I think you mean basketball. You got to turn the ball over occasionally. <laughs> you said turn over the football. Oh, do I like, say oh. football? Yeah, turn over the basketball. He never turns over the ball. Uh, college football playoff is set 27-20. Michigan over Alabama 37-31. Michael Penix and company in Washington over Texas. And James, you know the funniest thing about this? I was totally wrong. You know, Mark, do you remember what I gave out? I said Alabama versus Texas. The rematch in mm-hmm. the college football championship. Me too. But dude, I'm, I'm good with seeing Michigan and in, in, in Washington. I love it. I already told you I'm not a very big college football purist, so I don't have a lot of hate towards Michigan um, for what happened earlier this year, the cheating scandal, all those things. Well, you're sitting in Kevin Bowen's seat. I know. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to tell him. You know but, you're sitting in Bowen's seat, right? Look, you get in, you play the games, <laughs> and if history later vacates the wins, whatever – I don't really care. I just want to see a good game, you know, come national championship. Uh, Oregon all over Liberty 45-6. LSU outlasts Wisconsin 35-31. And then Iowa football ends scoring zero points in their final game. And they lose 35-0 to Tennessee. And I need to go back and look at the stat. But it's a ridiculous stat how many minutes of football have been played without a touchdown (laughs) with Iowa. (laughs) 
They're they so, can't uh, score. They're so annoying. I'm like, what? Where is this team from? Are they still wearing the ring wing tee? What are we doing here? The thing. Well, they'd be better if they ran the wing tee. The thing <laughs> is, they win nine or ten games, and they have an offense that is that. I think constipated might be the word. It really might be the word. So uh, that's what we got. Local college basketball. Indiana back in action at Nebraska tomorrow night. Purdue at Maryland. That one is seven o'clock. Mark, I'll give you time here. Guess where? It's, guess what it's on? Get your Peacock subscription. Uh, so get ready. Come on, Query. Get that Peacock subscription. You're going to watch some Purdue basketball uh, coming up later tonight. It's got to be exhausting, like being a Big Ten fan and trying to find your game on a, like a daily basis whenever that game is on. Like what channel is on? Big Ten Plus, Big Ten Two. Peacock. It's Big, just, ten, it's Big Ten is Big Ten Plus is the only thing I'm not giving in on. I'm not paying for it. That's absurd. I'm not paying. James, listen, I'm not paying for Big Ten Plus. Look, I feel like <laughs> we've all been scammed because we pay for a bunch of other subscription services. So it's like get rid of cable and you can watch no. all these things and it just never really develops. Yeah, everyone's like, you, you know what I would like like if you could get this place where you could put all your apps into one and watch them. I'm like, yeah, that was cable. We all got rid of it five, <laughs> ten years ago. Uh, after the break, playoff scenarios in uh, what we think listen it's never too early what we think about this game the early keys to the game early things that James going to be is going to be looking for as we get ready for Texans and Colts on Saturday we'll do it next here yeah, James Boyd hanging out with us today from The Athletic. KB will be back on, what is it? It's a Tuesday, so he's back on Thursday, Thursday I believe. He's in Florida. There was like 10 kids running around, so I don't know if that's a vacation for him or not. <laughs> James, you'll like you'll like this. Uh, we came in the day after Christmas, and Mar- Mark was off that day. Have you met Elijah, young Elijah? He's a board out producer around here, and so he's in co- he's college age, okay? He goes to he goes to University of Indy, does he not? I believe it doesn't matter. So he's he's in college. I don't, I don't know where he goes. He uh, he's in college. He looks at he looks at Kevin, and he goes, "You look tired." You look oh, tired. Of course, I'm like, yeah, he looks tired. He's got two small kids, and it's Christmas time. <laughs> it's Christmas time. So we appreciate James waking up early with us here uh, on the wake-up call. 239-1070. I don't mind mixing in some calls as we go today. Rick Carlisle supposed to join us 8 o'clock. Jonathan Alexander will talk some Texans football coming up at 9.30. We'll get to our Goats of the Week. Five-word headlines. Tons to get to. And again, it's going to be what we talk about all week. It's the up and that is you win and you're in if you're the Indianapolis Colts um what did you let me let me let's start here with you um I don't think we can take much of anything from that first matchup that's how I feel at least my my first glimpse at Texans and Colts I mean number one you started out that game if you're the Colts and help me here okay you didn't have Jonathan Taylor so that's number one and that's a that's a big deal you saw them get back to Jonathan Taylor handling the ball quite a bit on Sunday I actually didn't think Trey Sermon was that bad I mean he got in he made a couple yeah he made a couple runs you know at one point JT went to the medical tent and you know he had what three four snaps right in a row did Trey Sermon uh, so I thought he I thought he did a fine job I thought he's been better I thought he's given them something that I didn't think he could give them but you didn't have Jonathan Taylor 
That's when Anthony Richardson got the concussion. So you started the game with Anthony Richardson, and then you went to Minshew. And we've talked about it all season, how different that is when you go to Minshew middle parts of the game and when teams know it's going to be Gardner Minshew. Uh, I feel like from the Texans' side, we didn't know D'Amico Ryans was this, right? I mean, which could be coach of the year. Same could be said with Shane Steichen, by the way. Uh, C.J. Stroud wasn't this dynamic C.J. Stroud that we saw for so many weeks in the middle of the year. Uh, Tank Dell injured now is out. It's Tank Dell who's injured for the season, right? Oh, goodness. I need to look. Yes, he's done for the year. Uh, And so that's a big difference. And even a guy like Will Anderson for the Texans defensive lineman, you know, it was, it was, wow, is he the right pick? Was he the right pick? And he's turned into being a really good football player as well. I am not sure what we can take away from that matchup at the beginning of the season to what we're going to see Saturday night. Do you, what would be the things if there was anything at all? I think it's that. C.J. Stroud probably showed us who he was early on, and I kind of just dismissed it because the Colts were leading a lot in that game, built a big lead with Anthony Richardson before he got hurt. But when you look up at the box score, C.J. Stroud threw for 384 yards that day, two touchdowns, no picks, and that was behind. You're right. We probably did write it off. Yeah, it was behind a really like janky offensive line. A lot of key guys were injured. I know going into that game, we're all thinking, is he even going to play because he had a backups you know, all over his offensive line? And he hung in there and gave him a chance in the second half. And I remember thinking, all right, I'll just file that away. He looked pretty good. Maybe some garbage time stats. And then I look up, you know, a few weeks later and I'm like, no, that wasn't garbage yeah, time. Yeah, a, m- a month He's later. Good. Yeah, a month later, you're like, okay, this might be the this might <laughs> yeah. be the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, and exactly. it was a downer because Anthony Richardson was injured. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to see was Stroud oh, and Richardson and, and, you know, kind of the fun there. Andy, you have no idea. Your boy was going to write the <laughs> Anthony Richardson has arrived story because he had two touchdowns and what felt like at the blink of an eye. Oh, it was, yeah. And then like that, it was gone. And obviously, we see how the, end, the season changed when he got the shoulder injury, shoulder surgery. You're, you're going week that. two, Anthony Richardson has arrived. I it was, was week I two, was, wasn't it? Look, it never hurts as a reporter to write positive <laughs> things about the team. And I was going to be writing very positively about Anthony Richardson that day. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is that CJ Stroud really was that good that early on. And now we've all, you know, sort of seen, like I said, if you talk to every defensive player in the locker room after the game, this wasn't a, oh, we got to rattle this rookie. We got to do this. They were like, no, this guy's legit. We have to make sure we're on our P's and Q's because he can torch us. Yeah, you know, looking at what the Colts have faced this year at quarterback, I mean, this is the best quarterback that they will have faced since. Is it Carr in week eight? Is it Carr in week eight? I mean, Baker Mayfield has had a nice season, has he not? So you you either go back, what is it, five weeks, six weeks to to Baker Mayfield in Tampa, yeah. Tampa Bay? I'm almost more worried about some of the, the weapons Tampa Bay has, more so than Baker Mayfield. Now, listen, man, um, you know, C.J. Stroud, he's a different beast. And like I said, he didn't have to do too much. I mean, it was cruise control against Tennessee because Tennessee is done. Tennessee is absolutely. I mean, I mean we're twenty six to three, brother. They are. They are. They were finished. I, I was. I was surprised. The other thing you mentioned, and you know, I, I am. I driving home. Greg Rakestraw took like three calls immediately on the post game show, and shocking, they were three kind of. Negative calls like, 
Why did we go away from Jonathan Taylor after the first possession? Or the pass interference that was or was it not a pass interference with the pick six? It was a pass interference. Oh, absolutely. It, it's, it's, it's a weak <laughs> call, but it's the right call, yeah, okay? Yeah. Again, I'm not saying pass interference isn't weak in the NFL. Right. It's weak in the NFL. It is. A lot, a lot of times, it's ticky-tacky. When you have guys colliding, okay, and you have a little touch, a little touch of the jersey can be a 55 <laughs> five-yard penalty in a football game. It is silly. But a lot was that. You know, complaining about the officials. And I'm like, I'm in, you know why the Colts need to win on, on, on Saturday, James? I'll tell you why. They got to get the stink off of them. That's why. I mean, they go and they beat the Raiders and they keep their season alive. And I think the reaction from a lot of fans was still to not be happy in some sort of way. Well, you know, the pick six or, you know, we didn't like the play calling here or this game. It should have been, you know, we should have won by 14 instead of winning by three. Well, we let him go right down the field. And well, what's his young secondary going to do? You know, Devontae Adams has, you know, 13 catches, whatever, whatever it was and a couple touchdowns. And I'm sitting here saying, I understand all the things. There is this sense of the ghosts of cold seasons past almost. That's how I view it. Okay, especially as someone who started here in August, it's like, guys, I understand what you're saying. The reason they need to win on Saturday is so the Colts fan can turn the turn the damn page to a certain extent. The woe is me out the door, the old regime out the door, the Frank Reich stuff, the year with Jeff Saturday, the the having rentals at quarterback and all of that, let all of that go. The problem with this is, and I can already foresee it, if they lose on Saturday, all of that stuff is going to be magnified. I don't believe the Colts fan is going to be able to look at this season as a success if they lose on Saturday. And I understand that. Now, I don't know if we get a couple days down the road, if we get James a couple weeks down the road, if it truly takes deeper into the offseason, inching towards the NFL draft, that fans can say, okay, we established ourselves here. And we found out that some players, I mean, look at the defense. Defensive line. Look at the defensive line. That some of these guys are going to be able to produce at a high level. A young secondary that you know that some people are very high on uh, there in the building. You can talk to that. I, I just that's why they need to win and make the playoffs. Yes, it's a you get in and anything can happen. Yes, it's a year number one under Shane Steichen. It's all of those things. But for me, there is a bad taste in the Colts fans' mouth, and it is. Been there for a number of years. And if you lose on Saturday, it's going to add to the ledger of disappointment. Well, sure, the woe is me of, sure, we get all the way to week 18 and we get into a true win in your end and we fall short and we got teased all season. That's going to be the discussion. That's why they need to win on Saturday is to get rid of kind of some of those demons and to really close the door. This is how how I view it to close the door on kind of like the past 
Buchholz stuff. You have a new regime. You have Shane Steichen. You have a bunch of young players. You have, I mean, listen, you're going to be bringing back a guy like Michael Pittman, right? I mean, I mean, you're, you know, you're going to bring in uh, some guys. You have another draft in front of you. And with Anthony Richardson, you get him healthy. There's no reason. I'm not saying this team would be a back-to-back playoff team. It's an AFC championship team. But they need to, the Colts fan needs to rid themselves of the ills of the last few years. And that's what Saturday is all about to me. I think that's a yes and a no in a sense because the reporter in me is like, I can't call the season a failure if they go 9-8 and eight and miss the playoffs. However, I do think in the moment there's going to be a lot of that anguish of we're right there. We can never really complete the task. And so this is why I think you love sports and why we're crazy enough to have you know loyalty and ties to different franchises because they can you know break your heart in a sense. But this is an opportunity for that to get flipped, as you said, Andy. And I do think one of the keys to this game is, is probably just health as well. I mean, Kenny Moore – being out last week was a factor. They were able to survive, but you hope, obviously, to get him back. Right, that he's back. Get him back healthy against the, the Houston Texans. What was Ryan already- Kelly after the game? Do we have any clarification on him? No, Ryan Kelly is fine. It was an ankle, um, from what I understand, but it wasn't something like I saw him in a boot, nothing like that. No, he looked fine walking out. He was very excited about the win. I would expect him to play. Um, one guy I will give a ton of credit to is Braden Smith. I know there's right. a lot of rumblings of, oh man, this guy's always hurt. He's always dinged up. Does he want to play? All those things. He looked like a person who had just got done, you know, basically going to battle or something because of how labored and, and, and honestly in pain he looked from playing on that left knee. And so when I saw that... Again, they needed re- it. They yeah. ran the football and the Raiders yeah. got one sack. And I had... One sack on a Sunday. ton of respect for him already. And I just gained even more because that was my first time really seeing in a while how brutal football can be and just how much it means for him to even put himself through that to go out there and try to help them do this. And so um, hats off to Braden Smith. And I think those types of moments have brought this team together and have given them a chance to do something really special, which is, like you said, go from 4-12-1 last year, an embarrassment to the league, to being a sort of underdog David and Goliath sort of team this year and make the playoffs. You know, it's it's interesting. The Colts, to me, they're not the only example, but they're one of them, of each year is different. Last year, for instance, You mentioned the Colts being a mess, how they ended their season. They were, as JMV always says, uh, they were jacking around. They were a clown show. The, the, The words that he always uses, but he's not wrong. But think of it. Last year, you also had a team like Minnesota. You had a team like the New York Giants who were playoff teams. Okay, Minnesota, hell, they they, you know, they hosted a playoff game. And this year is not the same. And this year, you see the Colts are a team that is rebounded. The Houston Texans, again, whether these teams win on Saturday or not, they're they're a team that went from the very bottom, drafting at the very top of the yeah. NFL draft yeah. to being there in week. You know, they're in a they're in a similar situation, obviously, uh, that their Colts are in. Again, we'll talk with Jonathan Alexander at nine thirty from the Houston Chronicle about that. And then you even look at the good teams. You look at the Eagles. 
for instance. I mean, the Eagles... Are they good? Uh, yeah, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Well, they're good enough to be in the postseason, <laughs> but you know what I mean. I mean, they were a few snaps away from winning the Super Bowl yeah. last year. Yeah. I mean, that's where they were. They lose their coaching staff. They lose Steichen. They lose Jonathan Gannon. And you tell me if Jalen Hurts looks the same. You tell me if that offense uh, looks the same, and it doesn't. And they're not getting to the quarterback. And again, we just wrote it in that, well, they have some young players. They'll be back, right? They have... Uh, they have have Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and the host. And then they went and they got DeAndre Swift. Oh, it's fine. They're going to be back. That's not the way the NFL is. Uh, no. And you see that with a bunch of teams. And we're following one here uh, that, that is that is absolutely that. We're following one here that fits that mold of you never know what it's going to be like the next season. That is true. I mean, for this team in particular, this year's Colts, I don't know what it looks like. going to look like week to week sometimes because of just so many variables, so many guys being in and out of the lineup, but it's a credit to them for finding a way, usually, to at least be competitive, and I think that's all you want. You want a chance to win Saturday. Um, I'll be shocked if they came out flat or if they came out and didn't have an opportunity to at least go down to the wire. That's what you want. I mean, you want a game for all the marbles, but you can't get the game and then fall flat on your face or not go out there and, and compete or have some of those lackluster starts that we've seen throughout this this season with this team. I think you have to start fast, you know, and kind of take it to them for a change instead of kind of having to find your footing throughout the game. You might not have time for that against the team, in my opinion, which can really put points on you pretty quickly. Like you said, the Tank Dell injury factors in, but at the same time, when you have the guy, the quarterback, I think that tilts things in your favor slightly. I think, you know, the Colts being at home makes him the favorite, but if you have the best player, which in this case it could be C.J. Stroud, then that gives you confidence as well. So you have to take his confidence away, and then you yourself have to go out there and hit him in the mouth, and it wouldn't hurt, like you said earlier, to get J.T. rolling. And he hasn't had a 100-yard game all year, Andy. It's 19 straight, I think. I think that's the number, yeah. I mean, would it be nice to get one? Well, I thought he was going to get one. I thought he was going to get one. When he was at 96 <laughs> yards, I thought, how is he not going to get that, 100 that's here? That's what I was thinking to myself. Like, this is why I'm glad I don't like bet on these things, because, my goodness, that would have annoyed uh, so, me so much. By the way, disastrous betting weekend for your boy. Oh, man. Just, so I don't, sorry. I, I don't think I – you don't bet on sports. I don't think I don't. Mark. Do you? I'm the only one in the room. No, then? I do. Yeah, okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't a good weekend. For I me think either. I, James. I think I lost every bet I I, I made. <laughs> do you understand? DraftKings won every single one against me. I don't want to even look. You ever had those? And it's not a Monday morning. It's a Tuesday morning. You ever had the Tuesday morning where you don't want to look at your FanDuel or your DraftKings account? Man, that's that your boy tough. right now. Oh man, that must be tough. But I will say this. In all seriousness, though, I do think that you know JT has sort of that game in him. And you know what's ironic about this? The last time he played Houston, he went off. And that was actually the the tie at the beginning of last of season. Of last season, right. He had a buck 60 on the ground. Yeah, so they I'm need like, that. If you told me right now that JT's going to go over 100 yards, I would say the Colts are going to win that game. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the last couple weeks, I've been wishy-washy on, on the Colts. I thought they were going to lose against the Raiders. I did. I thought the Raiders would, would get to would get to Minshew and kind of create the havoc that they did against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, and I was wrong about that. I'm not wishy-washy on this one. I think the Colts are going to win on Saturday. That's just how, right now, again, it's a Tuesday. Uh, we'll see exactly how the injury report looks. We'll see how everyone comes out. We'll see how the week of practice goes. Uh, but that, that's how, that's how I feel right now, uh, is that they're going to win. I want to go back to something you said, um, because, uh, the, the unfortunate thing is James Boyd would like for us to have a nuanced conversation. 
and fans are not going to have a nuanced yeah. conversation. <laughs> and that's what Saturday, that's what Saturday night's going to mean. If they lose on Saturday, it's 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 going to be all the we're year going into year eight with Chris Ballard. We're going to go. And you know what the conversation oh, yeah. is going to be. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. And, you know, we had a nice season, but in the end, we got teased to the very end. I think the Colts win on Saturday. I do. I, I think what you're talking about, uh, about them being dialed in, dude, I think they're going to be dialed in. I really do. I'm not saying it's going to be a pretty game. I'm not saying they're going to hold C.J. Stroud to 192 yards in the game. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I think the Colts are going to win on Saturday. What's your initial, I guess, thought on the game? I think that they get it done. But in my view, you have to make sure you just don't turn the ball over. That's usually the key. Even last week... I think two of the biggest plays in the game was when Michael Pittman Jr. jumped on that fumble right. to make sure that they actually kept possession and scored. And also the defensive pass interference he drew on one of their final drives to keep that drive alive and to score another field goal. So the margin for error with this team is very, very small. Yeah, it's thin. There's absolutely no doubt about it. We'll get to your calls again. Jonathan Alexander will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll get to our GOATs of the weekend. Coming up next, Rick Carlisle. He's got a hot team. They were 500. They were 14-14. and 14. Now they're 18-14. and 14. They're 3-1 and one against the Bucks after last night's big win. We'll talk with the Pacers head coach next year on The Fan. Yeah, 8 o'clock hour. Thanks for hanging out with us in the drivehuber.com studios. KB and Andy, Mark Dykton hanging out. James Boyd from The Athletic. Uh, and I like The Athletic zip-up, by the way. I like I know. that. Look, no ironing. Just put it on and get out the door. <laughs> <laughs> get the Nike sweatpants on and you're good to go. There That's what go. we do every morning around here. I got to get more fan gear. I have like one thing from the fan. I have like an old shirt. Come on, I've been here since August. Give me a sweatshirt, guys. Someone hook me, <laughs> someone hook me up. But uh, James Boyd, uh, nice enough to wake up with us here. Obviously talking a lot about Colts win and you're in on Saturday night against the Houston Texans. We talk some Pacers as well. We keep that conversation going. Rick Carlisle, head coach of the Pacers, nice enough to join us here Tuesday in the 8 o'clock hour. Coach, good morning. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm good. Happy New Year. Uh, so I guess you and James have a relationship, so I found out. He covered you for a year, so uh, so this should be fun. Kevin Bowen is in Florida right now, Coach, uh, with about 10 kids running around, so I don't know if that's a vacation uh, or not. So hopefully your new year went well, and boy, it did last night. 122-113 winners in Milwaukee. I know you didn't want to talk about it, 3-1 and one against uh, the Bucks this season, but if you can, just talk about the win, uh, the bench. I mean, you guys didn't shoot well, but boy, the bench came to play and in a fantastic win, and you guys have had success this season against this Milwaukee team. You saw it last night. Now four straight for your Pacers group. First of all, James, you're safe for sore eyes, bro. I mean, it's been too long. It has you, been. You, you, you bailed on us. I mean, <laughs> it hurt a lot of feelings around here. You know, I, 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 we're all in. On, all of us are all in on the Colts and everything. But uh, oh man, you know, it felt, it felt like it felt like we were the one. We were the ones that kind of you know got you, got you into the fold, and you just you just took off on us like so fast. It was funny as we had a conversation. Me and Rick did, and he's like, "Hey, what do you want for your career?" And I was telling him my goals and things like that, and then. You know, nine months later, I'm moving on to the Colts. He's like, hey, I didn't say move on that fast, you know, whatever. <laughs> so um, the good thing is, Rick, you know, with the season, how NBA and NFL set up, might be seeing you pretty soon here after the uh, playoffs end. So just don't count me out just yet. All right. Well, we'll, we'll hold you to that. But, uh, yeah, back to Andy's question, the, 
the game last night was uh, it was such a frustrating game at, at, in, in, so, in, at, in so many junctures. Uh, you know, we we didn't start well. We got down 15 points pretty early. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the bench came in and, and really um, brought us back to life. You know, McConnell had a great night. Uh, Matherin was, was brilliant. Uh, you know, Toppin has played some of his best basketball since uh, since moving to a to a bench role. Isaiah Jackson was was great. You know, and so um, you know, and Buddy Buddy didn't have a great shooting night, but he was doing a lot of good things on the court. So you know, we were just trying to hang in and um, got it to some you know reasonable number at, at, at halftime, and then. <laughs> And we come out in third, and then the whole thing kind of started again. And we we got down fifteen again, and and uh, instead of calling timeout, I just you know decided to, to let it go. It just seemed like you know maybe just let these guys keep playing. We can we can crawl back in this thing, and uh, you know that once again got it down to. I think we ended up winning the third quarter by one point or two points or something like that, and then. Uh, you know, in the, in the fourth, we got hot, uh, found a way. Neither team shot well. Um, you know, it, it was just it was a very unusual game, but 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 one of those games that you know you're just really proud of your group that uh, through it all they just they just kept competing and kept executing and and eventually you know got the ball in the basket and got some stops. I want to ask you about the bench and about the lineup change. We, you know, we spoke last week, and at that point, you alluded to, "Hey, there's going to be some changes," and there were. I, I want to get to those here in just a second. But do you think you could have shot 14 percent from three earlier in the season and and won a game? And if so, I mean, that has to say something about not only your bench but also your defense. I would imagine as well. Well, you know the answer to that question. I mean. The answer is hell no. There's no way, and you know we just we've just decided to reset things. And you know we talked about it a little bit last week. We needed to be more physical. We needed to be bigger, and we needed to you know we need to work on it more. And so it's been uh, it's been a priority. Um, you know, a team like a team like Milwaukee is a nightmare trying to figure out how to guard those guys because. Um, you know, Lillard and Giannis are are two of the best players of this generation, and uh, Middleton is is extremely underrated. And you know, he's just a walking bucket. You know, so um, those three guys, you just got your hands absolutely full. But uh, you know, we found a way to do it. Um, I'm not sure exactly how, uh, but now now we're going to see him again tomorrow, and and. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be another tough one. Rick, what has it been like to see the maturation of Tyrese Halliburton, especially in fourth quarters where he's picking his spots and sometimes and oftentimes calling his own number, which is when I at least when I covered the team and he first got here, it went so much against his nature. But now it seems like he embraces that so much more. Well, he's 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 learned that um, with his job on this team. You know, he it, it, it's he's got to strike the right balance. He he can score the ball, and he's really worked on a couple of things over the last couple of summers. You know, he works with Drew Hanlon in the summer, who's one of the best trainers out there. 
Drew works with, you know, works with Joel Embiid. He works with Jason Tatum. He works with uh, Bradley Beal and with only two or three other guys. He only works with like six or eight guys at the most. And so uh, they they worked a lot on him being able to put pressure on the rim with drives um, and increased range and, 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 and figuring out and working on footwork to create space for the shot. So, you know, the passing is something that was always natural to him, but uh, developing, you know, that uh, the killer instinct with, with scoring when needed has been, has been very important to us. And so, um, you know, you've seen great examples this past week, you know, the, the 20 and 23 or the 21 and 22 games, you know, he's doing both at a, at a crescendo level. And, we we absolutely need all of it. So um, you're right. It, it does go against probably what his his basic nature as a player is. But um, you know, great young players that are developing and maturing. Uh, the game does slow down. You're seeing it with Matherin right now. He's you know he's he's seeing the game in a in a whole different way. You know, in in, in recent games and uh, um, and it's. Uh, it's been great to see Tyrese do what he's doing. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Yeah, we talked so much last week, Coach. You know, he had the 20 assists with no turnovers, did Halliburton. That's the first time since 2016 in Chris Paul. And he's also just the third player in NBA history with 20 points and 20 assists in back-to-back games. The other two, John Stockton and Magic Johnson. Uh, so the last week plus, and no doubt this season has been great for Halliburton. I'm going to ask this, and I know this sounds stupid. How I mean, you're coaching this guy. How does he play the minutes he plays and make the plays that he makes without turning the ball over? It just to me, his lack of turnovers is the stat that is astonishing and has been astonishing the last couple weeks. How does he do that? How do you guys teach that? And how much of a skill is that that he has? It seems God given at this point for him. Well, some of it certainly is, um, but you know. Going into the game last night, one of one of the areas that we said was absolutely essential was to value the ball um, and and avoid uh, live ball turnover because that turns Giannis loose in transition. It, it gives him the launching pad, and we we know what that's looked like in the previous three games. And so uh, Tyrese has the ball a lot. Um, you know, McConnell is, is another guy that, that does a good job with ball security, ball efficiency. And so those two guys, um, you know, were great last night. And, and in the fourth quarter, you know, it, it hasn't happened a lot where uh, TJ and, uh, and Ty are, are the two guys that finished the game. But last night, we just, you know, we just had to find a group that could get something going. And, and in the fourth quarter, you know, um, TJ's out there, Ty's out there, Matherin's out there. Uh, you know, it, it turned out that uh, Toppin was out there, and, and I think Miles finished. But um, and Isaiah Jackson's another guy that, that really stepped up huge last night. So, yeah, the the, the keeping turnovers down thing is is a major thing, and it's it's also a sign of you know wisdom beyond years. You know, for a young player to be that cognizant of the importance of taking care of it is uh, is really a big deal. 
Rick, when you look at what T.J. McConnell has been able to do throughout his career, especially last night, what does that do for a team when you know this guy is going to give you everything, like he did, even in some of the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score, like, for example, drawing the foul uh, on Chris Middleton there on that loose ball? (laughs) Yeah, that was like an unbelievable play. I mean, you know, Tyrese had the ball, and he was a – he he was trapped, and so he he made a a little bit of a desperation pass, trying to get it out of the trap. Matherin made an unbelievable save, and left handed flung it across the court, and then McConnell came out of nowhere and got one hand on it, and then saved it to I think Tyrese, and then you know, we we weren't sure whether or not you know that that was going to stand as a foul or whether. Um, it was going to end up being uh, our ball out of bounds because we did secure it, even if the uh, the challenge was successful. But it turned out, I, I you know, I I obviously saw the the game last night coming home on the plane, and and there was contact, and it was an absolutely enormous play in the game. And just think about it in crunch time, you know, we ended up um, running action to get McConnell downhill uh, to be our primary scorer during crunch time. And so there were a lot of things that you would have maybe scratched your head if somebody would have told you that this is how the game was going to go. But, you know, resourceful teams got to find ways to win. Um, You know, great players like Halliburton, you know, are are a big part of that. And resourceful players like like McConnell are, uh, you know, unreplaceable. Yeah, and T.J. McConnell, you know, he might go a few games, Coach, you know this, without playing, and then will come in last night, play 22 minutes, and play such a, a, a big piece of the win. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Andrew Nemhard, any update can you give us on his injury? Um, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be a long-term thing. It was uh, it was something that happened. His, his back tightened up. It was um, more in the upper back part, part of the um, part of the spine, which generally means that you know, short term, those those kinds of things are quick to turn, are, are hard to turn around short term. But uh, long term, you know, they they don't tend to stay around too long. At least that's what the trainer told me last night. I'm, I'm uncertain about what his status is going to be, but um, Bruce Brown is getting is getting closer to being back. So. You know, if Drew's out, then 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 maybe it'll be a case where where Brown is ready to go, or or we'll see. I mean, yeah, you know, we gotta just take a deep breath after after last night and see what's what and see who we have available for tomorrow. I'm I'm expecting our crowd to be great again uh, tomorrow night. You know, with a divisional opponent and, and superstars coming in, um, and we're just going to have to find a way to to compete at a level that's that's worthy for their support. You know, that's what I told the guys last night. I mean, you, you know, runs like this that we're on since Christmas are are not easy to get on um in the NBA. And and you know, human nature um is, is always going to be a challenge, you know, when you have a big win on the road, but you know, somehow we're gonna we're gonna have to find a way to to get the wheels keep the wheels on the wagon and and be ready to compete. You know, at a at a similar level tomorrow night. 
Yeah, one of the reasons I ask is, you know, the last four games, we spoke last Tuesday and we knew there were going to be changes to the lineup, whether that be the, you know, the starting lineup or the lineup as a whole, who you bring in reserves, minutes uh, allocated around the roster. And so the last four games, coach, I mean, you guys are 4 0, you made the lineup changes, and then Nemhard gets injured. So uh, obviously we'll see what happens tomorrow night, but the new starting lineup and even a guy you mentioned like Obi Toppin, who's been playing some very good basketball for you the last week or so coming off the bench, changing things up four games ago. What did that do for this team? How have you seen it work itself out in the last week or so? Yeah, it's just, it was was just, it wasn't so much who was starting. um, Because, you know, the guys that, the guys that had been in there had, had done so many great things, you know, and, and, you know, healed has, you know, been, been historic with his shooting since being here. Um, he went back into the lineup of the game in Atlanta, which I watched again last night as we get pre- prepared to play them in three or four days, whenever it is. Um, and he was absolutely, you know, amazing in that game. And the reason, when, probably one of the main reasons we won that game. So it wasn't, it wasn't about, you know, who was starting. We needed to be bigger. We needed to be more physical. And we, and we needed to um, be clear, you know, as a staff that the defense was going to be a priority. And so much of our problems leading up to that point had been the excessive fouling, the difficulty rebounding, Etc. And and we just we just simply had not had the time to work on it, and we gained such an identity as a as a as a team that could score. Um, you know the ability to go up and down and free flow and and do all that stuff offensively. You know flies in the face of a possession mentality defensively. So you know to be great in the NBA, you, you've got to do both. And year in, year out, I think I may have said this to you guys, Andy, you know, when, when, when Kevin was in one of the weeks, but the hardest thing to do is to have a flow mentality offensively and be able to immediately flip a switch and become a possession team defensively. And the teams that are the top teams in both are our championship contending teams. So, um, you know, we were 30th in defense for most of the first part of the year. Um, I know that we're not 30th right now. I, 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 you know, with the way stats are now, you have the ability to track it over, over a stretch of games. So I know that, you know, I was told last night after the game, the last seven games, since we had that one live practice after the Clipper game, you know, we're like 13th in defense. And so that's, you know, that's improvement. It's progress but it's something that we have to stay on top of. You know, we, we took a step back in the New York game. I, mm-hmm. I was, I was not happy after that game. Um, I talked to the team about it a little bit that, you know, we, we let go of the rope a little bit. We had a, we had an unbelievable shot making game in that, in that game, but we got into the, you know, kind of the brother-in-law trading shots thing again. And it's just, it's a dangerous pattern it's a dangerous syndrome to get into and so um we did better last night defensively um but you know defense is something that that um you know you, you've got to stay on it it's it's 
when you when you when you get into a um, a groove with it where where it matters and you know you're you're doing the little things um it, it's got to continue to be a featured part of of what you're about which leads me to my next question i was going to ask you who got the game ball last night but that might be too <laughs> on the nose but rick you had a quote the other day that said uh even dating a pretty girl gets boring after a while. She can't guard anybody. So It's a quote of the year. Co- Coach, this is being talked about a lot online the last few days. Do you have any idea on Twitter what's being said of this quote? They're loving it. No, I, I you know, I, I, I'm not on Twitter and uh I, I have heard about it a little bit. Um my daughter Abby is you know, she caught wind of it and she <laughs> sure. she caught yeah, so she got a, she said to Donna, she told her about it, my wife. And uh, I just want to be clear, my my wife can guard somebody. So. I was going to say, I was going to ask, like, <laughs> if, she, if she helps side, is she locked down? Like, you know, what kind of advice could you give us, you know, out here in the dating pool? Who should we look for <laughs> She's got to be defender? A, she's got to be able to guard the one through four. You got to be able to switch on everything, James. <laughs> James, this will be one of our uh, offline conversations. <laughs> all right. Okay? All right. Appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate but, I, that. But, I, but I got you there. <laughs> Coach, uh, well, congratulations. The last few weeks, um, you guys were 500, four in a row a lot of good feelings last night obviously was uh, was a fantastic game and now it's Milwaukee again tomorrow night in Gamebridge you can hear it right here on the fan uh, thank you so much for these conversations each Tuesday coach safe travels we'll catch up next week thank you all right cheers take care guys all right there we go Rick Carlisle with us on the Payless Liquors hotline on the TJ McConnell play I mean McConnell's like that dude where he can go a week and a half without playing and then come in and play 22 minutes and do what he did. And when you bring him in, you know, even at times, Halliburton's like, get out of the way. You mentioned that. But you can you can bring Tyrese off the ball when McConnell's yeah. in the game. And that's a totally different look. Absolutely. And I think TJ has a lot of mental strength because I've talked to a lot of athletes about staying ready. You hear it all the time. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That is such a cliche. That is so hard to do. And so when you are able to not pout, not feel like you're left out, and to continue to work – as if you're going to play every single game earnestly and then go out there and perform, that speaks to his mental strength and just um, how professional he is at this level and being a true teammate. Yeah, I love the little the little feud rivalry between between these two teams. I'm, I'm telling oh. you, last night was supposed to be, I know Carlisle will never speak to it, last night was supposed to be the Pacers were supposed to walk in there and get that beat down because of the game ball nonsense. And they got down 15 twice, and you know what happened? TJ McConnell was taking dudes to the bucket in the second half. That's what was happening. I like it. I don't mind the pettiness if I were the Pacers that first time around with the game ball I would let all the air out of the ball <laughs> if I was the Bucks, I would have you know tried to get Giannis to 70 I don't care I like all of those things because to me as long as you're not out there trying to injure anybody who cares if you embarrass the other person all that respect the game and it's Bush League no it's not it's the NBA you get paid to play uh, defense the, the NBA the NBA's petty it's the, like a, it's a it's a soap <laughs> opera I enjoy all of the pettiness and to me if you're going to have anything to talk about in a game in, you know, November, December, why not have it be these oh, sure. moments like this? Because who cares about the NBA well, right it's game, now? It's game 32. Exactly. I mean, that last night was game exactly. 32. So if that makes me care more, then bring on the pettiness. Listen, I'm telling you, we sat here a week ago and we interviewed Rick Carlisle. And it's one of those where they were coming off losses and they were now a 500 team. 
And it was a different tone last week than it was this week. Mark, was it not? I mean, last week, oh, yeah. he basically told us, I mean, I mean, James, he said, there's going to be changes soon. You'll see. I mean, Coach said, you'll see. Now, we followed up with that. He said, well, I'm not going to give you all the goods, right? I'm not going to tell you exactly who's going to be starting. And what's weird about last night is, you know, the, the three previous games I thought you would really felt that starting lineup was making a difference, right? And just the way that they were distributing minutes, playing time, when guys were subbing in, kind of, you know, they made that move. And that doesn't always work. You can bring in, you know, backups. You can start someone else. And and that can give you a game, maybe. That can give you a half. And it's given them three games. And then last night, I mean, you look at Jalen Smith, didn't have the kind of game we're used to seeing. Andrew Nemhart doesn't come back after the back injury. He was just, you know, what, eight, nine minutes in the game. Neesmith didn't shoot the ball well. I mean, Neesmith, Neesmith was one of 10 last night. Buddy Heald played 21 minutes and was 0 of 6. He missed all four three-pointers that he took last night. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, That starting lineup, and I know Buddy's coming off the bench, but that starting lineup didn't give you the pop that it had been giving you the previous three games. And so what did the Pacers do? They won with the bench guys. And some of those guys were guys that have started games. Right? I mean, Obi Toppin has started a lot of games for this team this season. He comes in and plays 29 minutes and has 11 points. You know, that that's not what he was giving every single game. And so they just have, they have a lot of pieces. And for me, it was you're 14 and 14. And it felt like the goodwill that you had built up was starting to slip away. And that you were a nice story early on in the right. season, but you couldn't keep it we going. About I mean, you, you've seen it. You know, NFL yeah. teams have a quick start, and then it's like, okay, now the, now the football's really starting. The weather's getting cold, and they just dissipate. Yeah, right? And that's the, the Indiana feeling, right? We just talked about yeah. that, where you feel like, oh, the Pacers, cute story, Colts, cute story. Both teams, which is fun, are playing well at the same time. Now, they really are. In the last four games, you know, defensively, we can laugh about it, but, you know, allowing in the next game was not that. They had to score, they, and they went back, and they kind of reverted back to what we've seen the Pacers do earlier in the mm-hmm. season by scoring 140 points. Uh, but for the most part, they have been better defensively. Matherin last night, the game that – we didn't even ask about him. The game that he played last night, the defense uh, that he had last night for Rick Carlisle. You know, one thing that we haven't mentioned mentioned uh, and we should have before now is you know it was a it was I don't know if it was disappointing I'm not exactly sure what Pacer fans feel about this OG Ananobi gets traded over the weekend and goes from Toronto by the way the Toronto Raptors gutless they lost to the Pistons James. I mean, it was I mean, right after a trade. Yeah, yeah but what are we... Yeah, but what are we doing? You're not supposed to lose to the Pistons. They're supposed to lose like 40 in a row for the jokes. That was not happening. What was the line that. for the wing stop in Detroit, by the way? <laughs> oh, Did my see, goodness. It'd be absurd. It had to be crazy. Okay, you know what? tell me what happened again. They've had this, they've had this uh, promotion going on that people have been sharing all across social media where it says, 
If the Pistons win, everyone gets five free boneless wings. And everybody's like, well, they could solve world hunger for every loss sure. the Pistons had. So they finally won. And I think that the lines were out the door for yeah. every wing stop in the <laughs> greater Detroit stop. area. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to enjoy it, right? I mean, if you're a Pistons fan and you're sitting through all that, go get your wings. <laughs> I'm with it. I love being you, you're ever in a stadium where like they're giving away Chick-fil-A or they're giving away something. If the, Of course, you can't do it if the team gets to 100 points because everyone scores 100 points now in the the NBA. That you, is true. You got to do if they get to 130 or 140. Yeah, or something, something weird like, like that. you miss two free throws in a fourth right. quarter. Everybody gets like a free cookie or free fries from McDonald's, something like that. But yeah, it is funny to see what happened. But Andy, you got to give them some grace, man. You know, it's a different country. Guys are probably like, I'm not even you. I had to get through customs. I don't have all my stuff with me. But yeah, I was I was kind of surprised. I will not lie that, that the Pistons actually won a game. I got a friend, good friend that covers them. And so it's been funny to read all of his like historical analysis of how they even got to that point. Of how bad they are. Well, yeah. and I mean, it was good for it was good for the, the Pacers in the short term that yeah. you played the Knicks and they didn't have Emmanuel Quickly or R.J. Barrett. I followed Emmanuel Quickly when he was at Kentucky. As sad as it is, he I know he liked being in New York and now he goes to Toronto. Uh, I actually think that's good for his career. Not that people around here care, but I actually think that's pretty good. But uh, O.J. Nobi does get moved and that means... If you're the Pacers, you're not getting him this offseason. I, I, I have been I have been lukewarm on the Pacers even making a move this uh, this during the season just because what are you going to be able to get? Do you want to give up guys if it's just a rental and you're not going to win the championship? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like if you're going to get a rental, you want to you want that to be someone who puts you over the top. And I'm not sure that's where uh, the Pacers are, but OG Ananobi does get moved. Uh, so that might be one guy off the list there. So good stuff from Rick Carlisle. Again, uh, I don't know how much we like these two games in three days. I, I like them because, it's it, number one, it's difficult to beat a team twice in a row. And I think you saw that like in the Miami series earlier. Miami got them that first game, but the Pacers were able to come back and win that second game. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, and then just with these two teams and the kind of the, the back and forth, it got to a point in the second half where it almost got chippy. Yeah. Bobby Portis started to do his yelling and screaming. <laughs> Bobby Portis started his to do his stuff. His eyes get so big. Oh, I'm scary. like, man, this guy can see from here yeah. all the way back to Indianapolis <laughs> last night's game. So, I mean, I enjoy that stuff. I like it. I think that's kind of how I grew up playing the game. You don't have to like your opponent. Um, You respect them in a sense because, like I said, anytime you're out there, you don't want to like injure anybody. But, hey, if it gets a little chippy, that's all the better for it. And I truly do hope they match up in the playoffs because I would love to see that series. Oh the, yeah. To me, the Bucks aren't. You know, I'm not saying they're not a good team, but they're not the team that they've been in the past where they feel like such a juggernaut. They feel like they're in a weird position where they feel like they have to score, outscore everybody. They don't play any defense. I yeah. mean, their defense is terrible on the perimeter. I'm not saying this to denigrate anything. The and listen, this is this is a good team in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how good Milwaukee is. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. they're good. I'm trying to figure out how good they are. I think they have to have Dame and Giannis play at otherworldly levels offensively to win, which it's possible, but it, I don't know if that's sustainable for an entire playoff right. run or something and, like and, that. And Dame, was, and Dame wasn't great, and i got to be honest, I don't like their bench. 
I don't. I don't think they have quality depth. I mean, the I don't think the Bucks do, and, and you know the Pacers do. And the Pacers are interchangeable pieces. Yeah. Whether and there's good to that, there's bad to that. But they can start what eight eight different guys. Yeah. And if TJ McConnell started a game, that wouldn't be a surprise. Right. At some point, they can start eight nine guys. So a uh, big win. Appreciate Carlisle joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, we'll give out our goats of the week. We'll do that. Before we do that, let's get to a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Yeah, obviously it's going to be Colts, Colts, Colts. A lot of that this week. Win and you're in against the Texans. How do they get there? Well, a 23-20 win over the Raiders was a huge part of it. And a play, uh, JB, we haven't talked too much about. Uh, and that's a 58-yard touchdown to Alec Pierce in the first half. Here's Shane Steich in postgame on what they saw. They're in a zero look, no deep safeties, and uh, something we saw on tape that, shoot, if it was zero like that, we got a chance to run over top. We got to max it up, and uh, we got the look. And shoot, Gardner made a heck of a play stepping into that throw, uh, and then just leading Alec across the field. And, you know, no one was over there, and you know, catching it in stride to go score was huge. Yeah, 58 yards uh, with that one catch, his only catch that made him the leading, the leading uh, receiver in the game, <laughs> in the game look, for the Colts, which is crazy. Given that Devontae Adams had 21 targets on the other side. Look, one target, one catch. That's all you needed. One touchdown. It's efficiency. Hey, it's like a Randy Moss stat line, just not as many catches. But I mean, that's what you want from Alec Pierce. That's what he's been good at throughout his career. You give him a chance to get underneath the ball put it out there, and he can run. Um, I know his family very well. He actually ran in, like, national youth track and field events when he was a kid, so he's always had speed. And so it's sometimes it's just getting the ball to him on time because there was a play in the game earlier where Gardner Minshew completely missed yeah, him. He's he wide open. wide open. Yeah, he's so wide open. They hit him on that one, and obviously that's a big play in a three-point game. Uh, I'm watching the play again. You know, it's a third and one there, but to me, Minshew staying in the pocket on that play. Now, he probably didn't have the time, but you know, at times, Minshew has floated, right? You start floating in the pocket. I think it was Crosby's right in your face, but he stayed He stayed in there. He took the hit, and he made the play. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Alec Pierce, and maybe this could be my uh, New Year's resolution. You do not New Year's resolutions at all? Because I don't. I, nah. I want to be. I'm not saying I'm going to go to the gym and then I'm there. I'm taking pictures at the gym for three days and then I'm not going to the gym. Mark, do you do any New Year's resolutions? Uh, no. Okay. That, I didn't think anyone here did. <laughs> uh, I see Kevin Bowen is not doing any either. I'd love to look in a suit like Alec Pierce looks in a suit. He looks good. I must that would say. involve going to the <laughs> gym. But that would involve going to the gym, which I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of. <laughs> I'll say this. Um, you know, a lot of those guys can dress really, really well. And uh, what's funny is, this is a side note, but Tyquan Lewis had on these tight jeans after the game, and the entire team was just <laughs> killing this guy for it. So it, th- those are the moments where, you know, they're not in a story and things like that. But it is funny to um, see – sort of that camaraderie around the guys. Like, so when they wear a really nice outfit, some guys would be like, oh, man, I ain't never seen you wear like this they Were they, were they torn and tattered jeans that were tight, or were they just no, tight jeans? No, uh, had on, I think they were like, kind of like some skinny jeans. Though he's not very, you know, skinny. He's a defensive end, for crying out loud. So you got all the people just getting on him like, you know, what happened to your pants? You just shrink them? What's going on? They're probably and, like $300 jeans, and too. So, and then those are the moments, Andy, where you kind of realize, you know, I get it. It's the NFL. It's a billion-dollar right. industry. A lot of things factor into it, but at the end of the day, in those moments, they're like kids again in high school, just like ribbing on each other. So I thought it was hilarious, and yeah, you know, I don't think Alec got as much slack as uh, as uh, Taekwon did there. 
No, he's always looking. He's always looking good in those pants. I'm like, man, uh, I'll never be able to look like that in a suit. Let's move on, Pacers. You heard Carlisle there, 122, 113. So much has been made of TJ McConnell, who was fantastic last night. 16 points, nine assists, four rebounds in 22 minutes. Coming off the bench, here's Carlisle post game on his guard. You know, our guys, we just encourage them to be themselves, to attack, to be fearless within their skill set. TJ's when he steps on the floor. That's who he is, and that's how he's going to play. And he's got some good memories in this building. He had a, a career game last year here, and, and tonight he was he was he was vital. He was a vital part of this one. Hopefully, the Pacers got the ball and they gave the game ball to T.J. McConnell again. Bucks and Pacers coming up tomorrow night in Gamebridge. That should be a fun one. Seven o'clock tip off, six thirty pregame right here. <laughs> Own the fan. Uh, anything else? We talked about this for you guys. Stand out in the final week of the NFL season, uh, or the second to, to last weekend. Anything stick out to you, JB, at all? Besides the Bengals and Chiefs, that was the one we both were watching. Absolutely. I think for me, it's probably just looking at what the Bills have done this year. Because I mean, after that Jets game earlier in the year, I was like, "What is going on in Buffalo?" And they've had so much going on. And then you look at what Josh Allen's been able to do. And I know he gets so much criticism for the turnovers and things like that, but he is the Bills. He is still a superstar, and I think they're a scary team if they do get in for anyone to face, quite frankly. And that could be, you know, a possible matchup, I believe, for the Colts. So um, we'll see how it goes. And uh, yeah, you're hoping you uh, you're hoping to go to Miami. I already know what you're hoping to do. Yeah, but I need a tie at this point. (laughs) Colts win and the Bills and Dolphins tie. So it seems like. Miami's out of the question, and if the Colts do win, it looks like it will be Kansas City or Buffalo. Yeah, Speaking it, of the Dolphins, has there been a team that scored 70 points and then got 56 thrown on them in the same season? That's a great Probably point. Not. Someone I mean, needs to look that up. I mean, the Ravens, question is, have, has there been a team that scored 70 and not made the playoffs? Like, dude, the, that would be the, the Ravens, crazy. The Ravens beat the hell out of them. There's no other way to say it. They yeah. just they physically beat them up, and then you're down by 30. And uh, Bradley Chubb, yes, you know, tears his ACL Terrible. out there when you're down by 30 points. So uh, we'll see. College football playoff set: Washington uh, and Michigan. That'll be a fun one. No SEC. I'm fine with that as well. Let's take a break. On the other end, goats of the week. We'll do it next here on the fan on this Tuesday. All right, we're going to get to our goats of the week, and I apologize uh, to James Boyd, who's in with us for Kevin Bowen and Mark and Mark Dykton. Maybe you guys have this as your lowercase goat. We'll get to it here in a second. But what I think was the funniest story that we have not gotten to this entire weekend. Okay, I, I see James thinking. He's got the he's got his thinking cap on. David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there's video of him throwing a. I mean, they look like like a bourbon and ginger. Did it not? Maybe an old fashioned. Him throwing a a alcoholic beverage on a Jaguars fan as the Panthers were absolutely beat down over the weekend. Andy, I don't understand. First of all, that is something that the league might actually step in and fine him for. Or- not that the money will matter, but right. he sh- absolutely but, should but be fine. this is my point, Andy. You are a billionaire. <laughs> there is nothing a fan could say to me to ever make me feel that upset. I wouldn't care if my team lost every single game for the rest of history. I'd be like, you know what? When I wake up tomorrow, I'm rich and you're not. Like, 
The Jags, the, the Jags fan look like so. For people that don't know, there's you know obviously he's in the the, yeah. the owner's box, and right below are our fans. Yes. Everyone knows yes. the setup at, at these stadiums, and some stadiums, you know, like Lucas Oil is is raised enough yeah. to where you don't have fans that are right, right there right. sitting next to you or Stephen Holder right. or Mike Chapel or whatever it may be. But in some stadiums they do. In some stadiums there are seats, and you could be five feet away, right? You could be five feet away, ten feet away from fans and so I don't know if somebody was giving him the business or not uh, but he went and he threw he threw from from kind of a long ways away to be quite honest yeah. he threw liquid on a fan and then he kind of like tossed the cup and then he disappeared and the Jackson I mean he's lucky those dudes in Jacksonville didn't just climb in no 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 no. So this is where I'll actually go the reverse they're lucky that they didn't climb in there because he still is a billionaire that's what I'm saying and he has people that I'm sure he pays very well to make sure that he just never gets touched but, agree but, the, um, but those are Florida men you know how every crime starts with Florida Florida man does something <laughs> and true. it is in Jacksonville so he'll get fined or whatever yeah, and a he is, look. but if, you, if you're a Panther fan you wake up you're like we have the we have the dope owner we have the owner that's the dope now yep we didn't used to have that well we did in jerry richardson uh but now we now we got a new owner and he's the dope as well yeah, they got and rid david of dan tepper. snyder and david tepper literally said hold my beer yeah it's exactly terrible. what happened. i mean they've been they've they've lost a lot they don't have number one pick their number one pick this year it looks bad like well they gave up all the picks for bryce young yeah it's it's all bad yeah no it really is and that 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 to me was the funniest that was come on you gotta have some humor and what's the the movie friday my neck my back my neck in my back people Easy, don't finish people, those lyrics well, no people people were saying hey people were saying hey that's People are saying that's. Uh, dude, when's the last time Mark Dighton seen the movie Friday? Oh, Friday's uh, great. The reason that's what people are saying. That's what they would be saying if they got hit with the oh. liquid from Tepper. I'm gonna have a neck brace on the next day. Mark, you ever want to see me win an Oscar? Have a billionaire do anything to me? And you know, I'm not waking up Gil no show. Oh, I'm waking man. up on a beach somewhere mm-hmm. because I have a lawsuit that I've just filed. David that ice Tepper. cube hurt my ear. What a what yeah. a what a bonehead. Down 26 nothing. C.J. Beathard winning the game and you're throwing drinks on fans uh, only in Florida. All right, let's get to our Goats of the Week. Hit the open, Mark. Who is the Goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's here, That's why he's the Goat! The Goat! Or Goat. This guy sucks. Of the week. It's always so easy to come up with our small goat, our negative goat of the week. I'll start, though, on the positive side. And this is back-to-back weeks. I think I'm doing this so fans can get angry, whatever. Uh, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Even Todd Monken, their new offensive coordinator. I mean, in back-to-back weeks, they have beat down the 49ers, and they humiliated the Miami Dolphins. What was that, 56-19? I mean, they just beat them down. Lamar Jackson, five touchdowns. He's going to win the MVP. That'll be his second most valuable player in the NFL. So for me, fellas, uh, it's it's the Ravens. We are waiting for someone, for a group of teams to separate themselves. It hasn't quite happened yet, but it did with Baltimore as they have separated themselves uh, that people now expect Lamar Jackson and company to be in the Super Bowl. James, who do you have? I think my go to the week will probably be Tyrese Halliburton after last night's game, specifically because as he dribbled the ball out, you could tell he wanted to keep it. And then he demonstratively took the ball 
and gave it to the ref to make sure they knew <laughs> this is the game ball after having the near triple double. You know, you know what also he did over the weekend? He stared down Wally Zerbiak. I know. Twice. I know, exactly. So twice. For those two instances. Yeah, that's a good one. I enjoy when Tyrese, who is a great human being, one of the nicest guys, but flips that switch and goes into like kill mode and I don't like any of you. Plus I and love so, his I love his dad. Yeah. I love that. Great. I, I love I love Hal Burns' dad. His dad's great, mom's They're great. living the life, man. Yep. Good for them. What do you have, uh, My good goat, the Buffalo Bills finally playing like the team we thought they would be the last few seasons. Four straight wins, five of the last six. Squarely in the playoff hunt, a huge showdown with the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football, just like the Bills season. It wouldn't be, you know, the Bills season without something crazy. <laughs> a wild scenario for them in on Sunday night's game. They could either win the AFC East, yep. or if they lose, they could possibly miss the playoffs entirely, yep. which is just wild. They need the Jaguars and the Steelers to lose. So that's pretty crazy, but I like the way the Buffalo Bills are playing. They're probably the scariest team heading into the playoffs. The Bills right now, the early line, and I'm even surprised, but I'm surprised by this line. The Bills are favored in Miami by three. If you would have told me five, six weeks ago that they would be on this winning yeah. streak and they would be favored by a score, I'm gonna. Be, it's going to be interesting if some money comes in, uh, you know, on Miami being an underdog uh, at home. I'll go first. I, the NFL officials. Oh, that was my. I, I listen. Okay, <laughs> well, then we'll talk about it. Yeah. I am not a guy who whines and cries about officiating. That's. I mean, listen. There are times like I thought in the Cleveland game. I thought the Colts got hosed in the Cleveland game. I didn't mind saying it. We said it on that Monday, and that's a win, by the way, that would be huge to have right now Was is that win over Cleveland. Hell, you'd be in the playoffs right now if we were talking about a win. So did the Colts get hosed in that game? Yes. Did we talk about it? Yes. But what happened with the Cowboys and Lions – uh, on the ref, just not getting it right. Who checked in as an uh, as an eligible wide receiver, the offensive lineman there, and then the NFL and their arrogance. And I understand it; they can do whatever the hell they want. I get it. The NFL's arrogance that it's like, like we're not even asking you; we're asking you to acknowledge it. I'm not asking you to change the game's outcome. I'm not saying you're going to come on and say, well, the Lions won the game. We're actually going to go back retroactively and give Detroit the 21-20 win over Dallas. No one's asking the NFL to do that. What we are asking is that the NFL acknowledge, at least, that you got a call wrong, that you blew the call, and it's huge. It's huge for seeding, and it's massive. It's massive in the NFC East uh, and for seeding there in the NFC playoffs. And for them to just totally uh, just totally miss that and to be wrong and have us all know that they're wrong and to not say anything is just an is just the arrogance of the NFL and then the, the I heard JMV talk about this on Sunday morning and then the the thing that's worth nothing in sports media <laughs> JB, you ready for the the thing that's worth nothing in sports media is when they go to the when when the TV goes to the ref, the the former official who has never said a bad thing about another fellow official uh, in their lives. And it's just the biggest waste of 30 seconds of our time uh, when they do that. But uh, that was a debacle. I don't mind saying it. That was a debacle on Saturday night. The Lions got absolutely hosed. And that's a huge game in the NFC. Absolutely. I thought that that was some terrible officiating. And honestly, I had never read so much about, you know, ineligible and eligible players and how to report and all those things. And I did over the weekend. And the fact that I even had to do that was a travesty. Um, But I would even say, 
you know, just to pivot away from that, my new, you know, goat will be Florida State. There was a lot of chatter. Oh, they, they did all that talk and yes. then they lost by and I, 60. And, and I get it. Like, you didn't have a lot of your guys. You know, a lot of these guys opted out. And obviously your top quarterbacks hurt. But to lose 63-3, just, it, it, re, it reinforces why they didn't even consider you getting in, really, to the college football playoff. Because I'm so glad we avoided that possibly happening in a game where it could decide who goes to the national championship. Well, I tell you, I tell you what it did, and we got to take a break. And Mark, I want to get to yours. What it did is both of those teams in Florida State and Georgia got hosed. By the, by, like. by the college football playoff committee. Both got hosed. I mean, Georgia went from the number one team in the country to the number six team. One team quit, one team didn't. And one team lost by 60 because of it. We'll talk about that in the 9 o'clock hour. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, what my, do you have? My bad goat was David Tepper. I've switched it up, though, since we talked about it already. It was the Dolphins. Uh, smoked <laughs> by the Ravens, 56-19. They've lost to the Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, and Ravens this season. They beat the Cowboys on Christmas Eve, which is their only win against a team above Oof. with above 500 records Oof. since week three of last season. Oof. And I actually like the Dolphins, but the trend I is not too. their friend. I'm nervous for them when the postseason gets here. Oh, I I, th- I don't think you have to be nervous for them. I think you know what, I, think, I think you know the direction uh, that it's going. James just mentioned something I want to get into on the other end with Florida State. 9 o'clock hour, uh, we'll talk Colts. Playoff scenarios, where could they go? We'll tell you. We'll do it next here on The Fan on this Tuesday. Yeah, winner, winner, you get in. Win and you get in, I should say. That's what's coming up Saturday night. Uh, James Boyd hanging out with us. Coming up in about five or six minutes, top of the 9 o'clock hour, we'll talk more about uh, kind of where what we think is going to happen on Saturday, looking back to the Raiders game, and then obviously all the different scenarios. And they're really not too difficult the scenarios in the NFL for the final week only if there's a bunch of ties <laughs> that's the only way that we get into Miami, murky Miami. we get into murky <laughs> uh, situations I saw our friend Derek Schultz tweet this out uh, Bernard Ryman's pro football focus season grades you ready for this I'm ready I just figured we give we've uh, we'd give Bernard some love right I mean he's been a huge part of the team this season uh, overall again this is offensive of tackles. Overall, he's got a uh, grade of 83.9. It puts him fourth in the NFL. His pass blocking is an 81. That puts him ninth. His run blocking is a 77. It puts him in at 11th in the NFL. Not too bad for a guy who's uh, <laughs> who's brand new to the NFL. Yeah, I think that he is their left tackle of the future. It was really cool to actually go over to Germany and, you know, where where's near his native Austria and and have the support from his family, his loved ones. And he had he 25, is, 30 tickets, did he not, yeah, for that game? Yeah, yeah something you know, ridiculous. So he's a piece for the future, for sure. Like, you look at some of these pieces going forward. Kenny Moore's in a contract year. Julian Blackman's in a contract year. Grover Stewart. But you don't have to worry about your left tackle spot. I think you have the one you need for the future. It's just about him continuing to get better throughout this season. And obviously, they need him to have a big game this upcoming week to keep Gardner Minshew upright and um, obviously try to get to the playoffs. Yeah, again, I'm bullish on the Colts this week. I haven't been the last couple weeks. I have not. I've been nervous. I have seen them have some inconsistent performances, uh, really not compete at times during games against Atlanta and Cincinnati, but not the case on Sunday against the Raiders. We'll talk about that. What do the playoffs look like? What are the chances for the Colts? Where could they play? We'll do it next. 9 o'clock hour coming up on the... 
All right, 9 o'clock hour, hanging out with you. Wake up call, drivehubler.com studios. One more hour to go. James Boyd hanging out with us, Mark Dykton, Andy Sweeney. KB off today and off tomorrow. Back at it for Thursday and Friday, which leads up to a win. Uh, and you get in. And then, Mark, you know, I was listening. Uh, good job, by the way, putting that together. And James, you'll like this. Uh, Mark, you had to be very happy that the Colts.com guy did the work for you with all the beeps there. Oh, yeah, that was so nice. you, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you didn't have to worry about helpful. all the uh, the beeps and bleeps uh, in the weekend. It is a win, and you get it, uh, and you get in. And James, you said during the break, he looked at us and he said, "Prime time Saturday, it's gonna get lit." It's about to be lit. Like I'm Lucas just thinking, Oil. what time do you get downtown if you're a Colts fan? By the way, Saturday is gonna be full with the Pacers and and the Colts. Everyone's playing at the same time, basically uh, on sa- on Saturday night. Uh, Mark, if you're tailgating this game, what time do you get down near Lucas Oil Stadium? Because this is not a Sunday at one o'clock game, right? This is not a uh, you get down there. It's early. You get down there at 10 a.m. and tailgate. I feel like this is one where you're strap you're strapping the 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 Coors lights and the Bud lights on, aren't you? Look no, under your nobody? belly. Or what, oh you're sneaking yeah, in? What are you no, no. About? I'm saying, I'm saying, this is like a five hour tailgate. Oh, if I, I'm tailgating well, for the Colts, I'm getting down there at four o'clock. Yeah, three get, o'clock. You can watch Steelers Ravens. Get a little pregame action going there. Go to one of the local bars and then head on over to Lucas Oil Stadium for. For the night what cap. you do? What you do is you park close, obviously, yep. and then you drink there at the car. You do what you got to do, and then you go wander around the different establishments. Right? There you go, go see JMV. You got the different tailgates, and then maybe right before you need to go in, you go back to the car. You take a little shot of bourbon. Maybe that's what you do. <laughs> well, whatever you do, get down there early. I would advise <laughs> anyone who wants to be down there to not wait to the last minute because you're not going to find parking. You're not going to find anywhere to sit down and watch the game. Get down there early, enjoy yourselves, and obviously I'll be down there early for the biggest game of my uh, career as far as covering things go. So excited for that! So you're not so you're not allowed to go down the tailgates. We need James Boyd at a tailgate. We need <laughs> I don't people even to drink. We so, need people to throw um, you in the air. <laughs> oh, you don't drink? I didn't know I, no, that. No, I don't. But uh, I try to bring the good. No wonder vibes. you're so skinny. Yeah, that too. Yeah, and, and I don't have t- you know any uh, regrets or things I don't remember. You know, but no, I do think in all seriousness. It will be a great environment. So I encourage anybody, you know, even in Indianapolis area, if you can't even get to the game, I know tickets and all that can be expensive sometimes, but I wonder what the, can be in an what environment. the get in price is oh, right is now. Well, here's the thing about this game. Uh, you're not going to have a bunch of Texans fans. You know, uh, there nah. were a lot of, there were a nice amount of Raider fans there. Not, yeah. not too much, but you know, Raiders nation. And yeah. then, you know, the Steelers, when yeah. you had that game, obviously. Uh, I'm seeing uppers, 600 level, $120. $109, of course. Then you have your I fees. 87 yeah, so I mean that's, that's not, but I mean still you're gonna pay up over 125 bucks, 140 bucks with all the fees and taxes and everything else uh, to get into the game. But uh, but that's that's where we are again. I, I am bullish. I'm bullish on the Colts this week. I have not been. People know. Uh, I just haven't been the last couple weeks. Just the way they played. Uh, against Atlanta, what we saw there, that Atlanta game, they just, it was all systems failure, right? Yeah, that was weird. Uh, even the way they played against the Bengals, you know, I was thinking, boy, there's a chance they lose. And again, it's 23 20. It's a close game against the Raiders. Uh, and it almost feels like, I mentioned this in hour number one, it really almost feels like we're, we're not going to talk about the Raider game very much because of what is set up for Saturday night against uh, against Houston. I mean, this Raider game 
had everything. It it had, uh, I mean, did it not? It had it had the long touchdown by Pierce. It had Jonathan Taylor. Uh, kind of, he almost felt like a couple of just patient runs, kind of looking like his old self. You didn't see either defensive line really dominate the game. It's something I thought we were going to see. You had big penalties down the stretch by both teams, but especially, you know, the Raiders had been winning. They had not been a penalized team. They were a penalized team. Uh, we saw the Colts take care of the football, something that we know really really goes into whether they win or lose games Absolutely. Uh, is whether they turn the football over. And so, uh, boy, I, you saw the return of Michael Pittman. He didn't do too much, but, you know, a couple catches, drawing a penalty, recovering, uh, recovering a fumble that's laying on the turf there uh, in Lucas Oil. And now it sets up a situation uh, to where this is what you want, and that is it's clear-cut. You win and you're in. And I said this, that with the Colts and Texans, that being the Saturday night game, and then the Bills and um, uh, Dolphins Mm -hmm. is the Sunday night game. To me, the NFL put their two two crown jewel games there in prime time. Because on Saturday night, someone's going to walk off that field and is going to be looking at a long offseason. And someone's going to be pretty damn happy. And then, you know, Mark, you mentioned this last segment. The Bills could win and go to the, and and win the AFC East, or they could lose. They could be out of the playoffs, or it could be somewhere in between, uh, depending on what the Steelers are going to do. So uh, it's all coming down to the final weekend. Again, Jonathan Alexander is going to join us uh, in about 20 minutes from the Houston Chronicle. We'll talk about this. I don't think we can talk enough about the about about the Texans and leading in. And we mentioned this in hour number one. I just I just don't think there's too much. Shane Steichen may disagree with this. D'Amico Ryan's may disagree with this. Just with the the personalities of these teams have changed so much since the beginning of the season. I mean, the Colts didn't have Jonathan Taylor. The Colts started Anthony Richardson uh, in that game. I kind of even feel like the Texans, C.J. Stroud put up big numbers, but at that point... I kind of feel like we weren't sold that he was that next level quarterback, rookie quarterback in the NFL, uh, and that's the case there. Will Anderson, even a guy early on, it looked like is he really was he worthy of being taken that high by the Texans? He's become a much better player. He's a baller. Uh, yeah, he's a much we, we view him much differently uh, than we did. So it sets up Texans and Colts, and I said as well in our number one that for me, you know, this Colts fan base has been through. So much. And, you know, even you look at last year, you look at being a laughing stock, you look at some of the drama. Hell, you look at some of the drama even with Jonathan Taylor this season. Some of the, not, I shouldn't say some, but the angst around the job that Chris Ballard has done or not done. And, you know, I, I think the Colts are in need of a win and to move on from all the old stuff. Uh, the old regimes, the old feel bad, and all of those things. And James, old there's excuses. no yeah, yeah, and the yeah. excuses and everything else. And the way you do that is you win, you make the playoffs, and then we'll be talking about a young team that has a pretty damn bright future. Especially, you know, you got to bring back a guy like Michael Pittman. You know, you got to bring back some of these guys, and that's what's on the line Saturday night there at Lucas Oil. Oh, absolutely. I think you talked about the Atlanta game and how bad it looked. One of the reasons why is because they didn't have Michael Pittman Jr. 
And over the last two years, when they haven't had him available, they've looked terrible. Because before the Atlanta game, he missed one last year at Jacksonville. They went down there and lost and didn't score. And so if anybody who is obviously excited for what's to come in the offseason but wants to keep it going, when that offseason comes, Pittman is going to be very happy because he has $100 million waiting for him, in my opinion. I know some people are like, he's not worth that much. It doesn't matter. I think he's going to come in and ask them to pay me, and they should pay him. And then, in all seriousness, probably go out and get some other pieces. But um, I'm looking a little too far down the line. As far as the game goes itself, I think you just want to get healthy. You want to see all your guys out there, all the ones you can, obviously. I know uh, a lot of the fans are, are still like, man, are you sure? And the Richardson's out? Yes, he is out. He is not <laughs> going to play again this season. However, I do think that this team and has a chance to do something special, make the playoffs for the first time since 2020. And also, um, we haven't talked about it much, but they have a chance to win the division. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, guess, I, I guess I would talk about that more if it weren't for the pathetic Tennessee Titans. And listen, I think Jacksonville's a fraud, but I think the Titans have packed it away. That is true. Have they not? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, you're not getting the whole any given Sunday cliche, but I don't really see that happening. In my opinion, this is how I'm looking at it from a reporter standpoint. I'm like, I'm looking at, okay, Colts win, they're going on the road. That's how I look at it. I don't realistically expect them to be hosting a playoff game, which would be even crazier to think about. But, again, they have a chance to do something special, a chance to um, write their own little new start to this new era. And I think it's a, it's a testament to Shane Steichen because, again, I picked them to go 5-12 and 12 this year. Well, I had the same record as you, 5-12. and 12. And they have proven me wrong at every single turn. And I thought at every moment this season where they could have faltered or slipped or fallen back to their old ways – even during that three-game losing streak, they came back and won four straight, and now they're in the thick of it for a chance to go to the playoffs with everything on the line. It is do or die. No, they're three and five. The season's done. There's not a Colts fan that would tell you any different, right? I mean, no. come on, three and five. Even though an easy schedule is on the way, uh, there's no. Let's there's, talk about that. Yeah, go ahead. You play who's in front of you. Like I don't understand when people say that. Um, whether it's Colts fans or opposing fans, like, oh, they only beat bad teams. That's what the better teams do. They beat the bad ones. Yeah, this is not. It's not college football. <laughs> yeah, to where we break down the schedules yeah. of while well, you played NC State, right. while Alabama played LSU <laughs> in Death Valley. That's just not the case. No, no, I I don't care about that in pro sports. That's a college football thing where 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 they, where they do that. Uh, again, we'll talk with Jonathan Alexander. I, I'll say this. I think this Colts team, boy, KB would know. Kevin Bowen, he'll be back on Thursday. He might know. You might know, Mark. Perhaps you. I can't think of a of a time where the media as a whole, and I love this stuff because I don't mind being wrong. Again, if I was right all the time, I'd be doing the show in Belize because I'd have all that money stacked up from DraftKings and FanDuel. When's the last time, as a whole, people have been this wrong about, about a team? I mean, we did. You know, I started in August. And and that's like the tricky part of this week, James, is I want to give those takes, but so much is going to rely on what happens on Saturday. Absolutely. You know, because it's very black or white. If you win, you're in. If you don't, it's going to be a season of all. If we could have, you know, beat the Texans, if we didn't lose to Atlanta, if we would have shown up against Cincinnati, if the refs didn't screw us against against Cleveland, if we would have had our quarterback. Like, there's going to be a bunch of things that come out, but... You know, this is as wrong as you can be 
is what everybody was with was with the Indianapolis Colts. Absolutely, and I actually enjoy that, and I think I feel it more because I interact with the players pretty much on a daily basis. And so when you come out with predictions about games of the season and you got to eat that, I don't mind if the players talk crazy to me after the game or tell me how wrong I was because, hey, it makes for a good quote. It makes for a good story. And so I tell them all the time, if I make a prediction, prove me wrong. And they have proven me wrong throughout this season. And to their credit, I don't think they envisioned maybe, maybe they envisioned this success, but now how it would look. I think if people said at the beginning of the year, oh, the Colts would have had nine wins to this point, you probably would be saying, oh, Anthony Richardson's in, in it for the offensive rookie of the year. We might be in it. If, if you'd have told me they would have had been in that situation, I would have said Anthony Richardson might be up for NFL MVP <laughs> if they're going to be in that. Yeah, you that, sound that, like that, every Colts fan. I who mean, would absolutely sound the same way. That'd be funny. I mean, we had everyone we had on was telling us three, four, five wins, and I'm with you. I picked them to win five. KB picked him to win what was it, Mark seven? I think he was right around what I had. I, I did a, a preseason article too. I think I had him at seven and ten or something. I, I looked like that. at you guys like you had five eyes in your head. I'm thinking, what the hell is this, Kevin Bowen? guy thinking uh here's Gardner Minshew after the game did he think the team would be fighting for a playoff spot going into the final week no absolutely man um I think that's the one thing in this league everybody's got a chance you know I think there's a lot of parity um and man I think you know even when you know we were struggling a little bit there three and five I think everybody pulled together instead of going apart and um man we were able to get us in this position so I think everybody's fired up for the opportunity and um you know, ready to go next week. Now, here's what's at stake. And help me here, James. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Uh, help me here, especially, I, th- I think I had basically this memorized. It's not too difficult unless we start getting in to a bunch of ties and things like that around the NFL. Baltimore has nothing to play for. Now, I happen to think, and Baltimore plays Pittsburgh on Saturday. That's the game before our game here in Indianapolis. I tend to think there is still a great chance with their backups that the Ravens can win that game. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, listen, let's just be – Mason Rudolph, we have seen this before. Huntley can play. Okay, so even Lamar Jackson doesn't play. I would imagine Odell, who's had injury issues, doesn't play. So you're going to have a lot of backups. We understand that uh, in the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. That doesn't mean that can't be a close game. I would be stunned if Pittsburgh just won that game 28 to 3, right? That's not the DNA of 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 the Baltimore Ravens. Not saying Pittsburgh won't win that game, but the fact that they, you know, thinking that they're this guy, it's final week of the year, the Ravens are going to lay or the yeah, the Ravens are going to lay down. I don't see it. The Ravens are at 1. Miami is in the situation where they have clinched, okay? But they have not clinched the 2 seed. So if Miami loses to the Bills, they then would move down. Okay, Uh, and we will get to where they could go. Kansas City, I feel like they're rather they won the the West. Um, They clinched that division. I feel like they're going to be pretty slotted at the three. That's the best percentages. But again, there is some movement. Kansas City ends their season uh, at the Chargers and Kansas City will be in the situation where they will be playing guys. Okay, so it's not like Pat Mahomes is not going to play. The Chargers are a dog of a of a team right now. Uh, they're a dog of a franchise outside Justin Herbert. So I would I would imagine again Kansas City would go on the road there and they would get win number eleven. 
We've talked about it. Whoever wins the AFC South gets the four seed. So right now, it's Jacksonville. If Jacksonville, because they're 4-1 and one in the division, they hold the head-to-head record over the Colts and the Texans, that right now, Jacksonville, if they win, they're the four seed. Okay? If they lose... Night, night. I mean, they're, they're, you know, night, night. That's it. I mean, with the Texans and the Colts playing. So Jacksonville is going to need a win. Jacksonville gets the Titans. We've told you how we believe the Titans are done. The Browns as the five seed, and this is where the NFL, this is where people have problems with the NFL, that the Browns are an 11 win team and have better records than the three seed and the four seed, but they're the five seed. Uh, <laughs> so go figure, okay? Uh, so Cleveland ends their season in Cincinnati. There's a good chance, not a good chance, a great chance Cleveland sits everybody because Cleveland cannot move. The game means nothing for them. Uh, when you talk about games that have no meaning, Cincinnati Cleveland is one of those games. Cleveland settled in there. As the five seed. Unbelievable for them, too, uh, by the way. It, it is. I mean, Joe Flacco, It's it makes no sense. I'll say it. it makes no sense what's going on in Cleveland. Stefanski probably going to be your coach of the year there. The Bills, and Mark, do you still have that up? The Bills, mm-hmm. at 10-6, and six, could... Not make the postseason. <laughs> this is so crazy. Okay? Or or they could win the AFC East and have 11 wins and win, and win the AFC East, which would throw this entire thing into a tailspin. And then we know what's, uh, what's on the line there with the Colts and Texans. Other teams to watch. The only other team is the Pittsburgh Steelers that we talked about at the beginning. The Steelers, if they win... They can get in if the Bills were to lose. So, if on Saturday night or on Saturday late afternoon, the Steelers beat the, the the Baltimore Ravens, they then will be waiting for uh for the Bills and uh, Dolphins on Sunday night. They'll have to wait over 24 hours on that game, and they will not have known. Uh, what, usually that game goes off, what time? Midnight almost? 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. does Sunday night football. Do, does it look like I have anything right? What interests you, James, on potential matchups uh, with Indianapolis? Specifically one they could have with Kansas City. I think that's the one, right? Yeah, I think that's the one. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine the Colts going the road at Arrowhead and facing a Chiefs team that obviously is good, but hasn't been as good as it's been in years past. I'm not saying that they're going to go there if the Colts win and upset them or whatever, but I think this is the beauty and maybe the danger of sports, If depending on how you look at it and which side you're on. But if you give any team a chance to go out there and play you, not at your best, I mean, that's your, that's your chance to kind of slay the dragon in a, in a sense. And that's kind of how I look at this Colts matchup with the Texans. Um, you know, I think this is going to be the best quarterback they face in a month. However... You're not the typical team who isn't used to their backup. At this point, Gardner Minshew is your starter. He's been your starter for over, you know, a few months now. So it's not like you're like, okay, you're waiting for him to, all right, when is he coming back down to earth? When is he going right. to, you know, regress? He is who he is. So you take advantage of that. You try to throw things at TJ Stroud and make him uncomfortable. And then you give yourself a chance to potentially go to Kansas City and face uh, the guy in Patrick Mahomes, which I'm sure a lot of these guys would want. Um, I know as a competitor, these guys have a ton of respect for Patrick Mahomes. 
um, that ton of respect for Kansas City and all these guys, all these teams. But I mean, if if you're a team, like, who wouldn't want that opportunity? Okay, so this is dangerous because I don't want to put the what is it, the cart before the horse. I don't want to do that. Absolutely, there's no reason the Colts could not go in and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I gave well, the two big t- reason is Mahomes. But. Well, well, no, no, that's <laughs> listen. I understand that, but they don't have very much around him. I, I did, you know, we did our goats of the week, you know, we, we which we did in the eight o'clock hour. We did our goats of the week. You could pick. two weeks ago, and I and I picked Brett Veach, who is the general manager for for the Kansas City Chiefs, and the reason I did that is it takes a special. Uh, lack of building a roster to have Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes not run an efficient offense for you, does it not? I mean, their wide receivers, their wide receivers are not they're they're not they're worse than the Colts. I'll put it the like the Colts this. have better wide receivers oh, than the Chiefs do. If Michael Pittman Jr. was over there, he'd be asking for even more money because his his numbers would be ridiculous. But I'll say this: if you're asking me, you know, if the Colts win against the Texans, you know, who would they rather face? Potentially Buffalo or Kansas City. It might be, you know, Kansas City because of how hot Buffalo's been as of late, you know, if they're able to get into the playoffs. So, again, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. You got to play your actual game in front of you, which is the Texans. And I do think that this is a game which could sort of, in my opinion, catapult this Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, and Chris Ballard, like his, his new era, because you do make a good point, Andy, where if they fall flat on their face, and depending on the manner, if they are to lose, like in the manner in which they lose, you could get a lot of questions about, okay, what's going on with Chris Ballard? How long, how much longer does he get? I think he bought us some time with the quarterback situation, all those things going on. But um, as this is a, re- it's a reset. Look, that, that's what it, I mean, isn't that's what Saturday feels like to me. Yeah. If you can win, you reset your franchise. If you lose, it, can, it continues the woe is me, the woe is us. We got all the way to the final week of the season on a Saturday night and prime time and lost As the game. JT said, winning solves all your problems. Uh, yes, it does. We'll get to Jonathan Alexander here in just a second. Let's get to a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, 23-20, your final. Colts winners over the Raiders, and it sets up the Texans and Colts on Saturday night. Let's get to some of this Steichen sound. Steichen postgame, what did he learn about his team, and now as a move on to the Texans? I think we're going to find out a lot about ourselves. Obviously, we found out a lot about ourselves throughout this season, um, but tomorrow we know that we got to win. Or, uh, you know, next week we got to win. So uh, our focus is strictly on Houston now. We're moving on to them. Football robot there from uh, from Shane Steichen, yes. which he had to be. Again, this is it's such an odd game because we're not even you know, people don't want to talk about the Raiders game. Let's move on. Got the win from that, and it was a nice win. And it's all about the Texans coming up. And uh, yeah, we'll have the game right here on the fan. And then it's going to move over. Help me here. I saw Todd just texted us. It'll move over to Hank right mm-hmm. when the when the Pacers pick up at six thirty, yes. I believe, on Saturday night. So again, it's going to be a busy, busy night here uh, in Indy. The Pacers have on Saturday night. Let me look that up real quick. The Pacers on Saturday night host Boston. Uh, so I tell you, downtown is going to be popping. It's going to be lit down there, James. I mean, Boston if you game, go to the Pacers game, whoop. you just pull up the Colts game on your phone and you get the best of both worlds. Or vice versa. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. Uh, I don't know about vice versa. If I'm at the Colts game, I am not. <laughs> I'm locked I mean, in. I love, love, love covering the Pacers. You know, they just had Rick Carlisle on, I mean, man. I understand Carlisle that. Likes but you. I mean, I don't think that there's going to be many fans in Lucas Oil 
Lowe who will be watching the Pacers game during that game. Let's move on. Pacers and Bucks, 122-113. We talked with Carlisle again. Rick Carlisle was on with us in the 8 o'clock hour. Check out the podcast center at 1075thefan.com. What did he think about the win? Here was Carlisle postgame. Very tough game. Very proud of the way we hung in the game and uh, continue to play when our shot-making was struggling really all night. McConnell was brilliant. He was great in the first half, and you know the second half really speaks for itself. You know, I just thought we did a lot of things that you need to do on the road. You know, you got to keep your poise, you got to stay aggressive, and and we we kept good internal energy, kept believing in each other. Tough win, and uh, Wednesday will be another very tough one. Yeah, 6.30, our pregame coverage tomorrow, 7 o'clock right here on the fan. Pacers and Bucks. One quick item in the NBA, OG Ananobi does get moved. I know Pacer fans uh, upset about that. He gets moved from Toronto to the New York Knicks. R.J. Baird-Emmanuel quickly going to Toronto. College football playoff set. It's going to be Washington and Michigan. Uh, That's a fun one. No SEC. I'm good with that. Then local college basketball. Indiana back in action tomorrow night in Nebraska. Purdue on the road again. Against Maryland tonight. That's 7 o'clock on Peacock. Let's take a break. On the other end, what do the Texans think about the matchup coming up on Saturday? Jonathan Alexander from the Chronicle joins us next. Yeah, James Boyd hanging out with us. James, I don't think we even discussed it. Did your uh, did your heart flutter at all on the onside kick against the <laughs> against the Raiders? From where I was sitting, were were you already like down near the field level, or were you up in the press box no, at that point? No, so I usually stay for the entire game because I have to send off a quick little gamer, and they actually have to win the game for me to file it. Right. But yeah, for a split second there, I was like, oh my goodness, like, what did you do? What EJ Speed's hands? EJ Speed, yeah. what are you doing? But Rodney Thomas to the rescue. Yeah, and Ronnie Thomas, again, a guy who basically been benched the last couple weeks, makes a play uh, that helps uh, seal the win. Raiders fall to the Colts, and it sets up the big one with the Texans. Win and you're in on Saturday. And to talk about things from the Houston standpoint, from the Houston Chronicle, Jonathan Alexander joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jonathan, good morning. Thanks for waking up with us. How are you, man? I'm good. How are y'all? Man, we are fantastic. Uh, I know uh, on the Houston side, it sets up quite the week as we get ready for this game. And on the Indianapolis side, uh, it does the same as well. Is You know, we kick this around, and I don't think there's too much. Maybe uh, you can think of something off the top of your head. What do we take away, if anything, from the matchup earlier this season? You know, so much was different with this team. You know, these teams, Anthony Richardson started for the Colts. They didn't have Jonathan Taylor at that point. Boy, I sure didn't think that C.J. Stroud was going to be the baller that he's been this season. In the end, the Colts did get the win. Is there anything we can take away from that matchup in Week 2? Yeah, I think the only thing is exactly what you said, that these two teams are completely different, and this game's going to look a lot different. You mentioned the differences on the Colts' side. The Texans have an entirely new offensive line, basically. Only one of the same starter at that same position, Shaq Mason at right guard. Their left tackle will be different. Their left guard will be different. Their center will be different, and their right tackle will be different. So it's going to look a lot different than, like you mentioned, C.J. Stroud. He's... When in week two, the Texans hadn't figured out who they were on offense, and Jesus Stroud had a you know a lot of yards, but they hadn't really got the offense going. Now they have a new running back as well, lead back. Uh, Devin Singletary has taken over those duties. So this team, both the Colts and the Texans, and Demico Ryan's mentioned it. Uh, they look completely different, and it's going to be a fresh start for both teams. 
Jonathan, thanks for coming on today. I do want to ask, what would it mean? Because we've talked a lot on our end about what would it mean for the Colts to make the playoffs. What would it mean for the Texans to do the same, considering where we all thought they might have been at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I think few people expected this Texans team to have a winning record. And here we are, um, 17 games into the season. Texans, the worst expense is 9-8. and eight. But the Texans haven't had a winning season since 2019. And that was also the last time they made the playoffs. So the last three years have been terrible football, bad decisions, bad contracts, uh, you name it. And Texans fans went away for some time. They went dormant. They, they showed their displeasure by not showing up to games. And now they're back and the buzz around the city is, is there. And this means a ton uh, because, you know, before C.J. Stroud was drafted here, before D'Amico Ryan was hired, you know, uh, there wasn't much of a, a future. There wasn't much of a path forward. So a lot of fans had become dismayed about what was happening on the field. And now that they can see the path with C.J. Stroud moving in the right direction to make Ryan's, there's a lot more hope in the city. What's part of me that feels a bit robbed is that Anthony Richardson is not healthy for this game because it felt like in that week two matchup, okay, we got two of the top rookies they are going to go at it. Obviously, that didn't work out in that game and then obviously this season. However, Jonathan, when you look at what C.J. Stroud has meant to that city, what can you tell us about how he's maybe changed how it feels down there? Yeah. So before C.J. Stroud arrived, you know, Deshaun Watson, everybody knows what happened with Deshaun Watson. Uh, he, ended up being, he ended up being traded. But for a couple of years, they didn't have a quarterback. And they tried Davis Mills out there for two consecutive years and nothing to get Davis Mills. He was a third-round pick. What do you expect? Um, but uh, they needed a quarterback to lead this team to to take them places, to make the right throws. And, and, and CJ, he, he has done everything right. And not only has he made the right throws and had the arm like you see in Anthony Richardson as well, but he has that leadership and that belief and that confidence that is unmatched. And, and his teammates follow him. Um, he, he became a leader. He's the youngest player on the team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he entered the year 21 years old, but he became a leader immediately. Uh, and, and that's because he put the work in. It wasn't just by happenstance. And you don't see that often. He was on pace to have one of the best rookie seasons in NFL history before his concussion injury. Um, so a, a lot of the, the fan base, a lot of the teammates who are here believe in him, and he's leading them in that the right direction. It's, it's, it's definitely a lot of hope, a lot of hope here. How is CJ's health? I mean, obviously he's cleared. He's back. He played last week. Didn't have to do too much uh, to the poor Tennessee Titans, who are just a dead team. Those guys are ready to go to the Bahamas. They're ready to go. They're ready to go to Jamaica. They're ready to go on the the beach or whatever. Jonathan, he's been killing the Titans the all t- morning. Dude, the Titans are yeah. they're just done, man. They're just absolutely done. You can't rely on them. Like I know here and even there, you'd love to say, "Hey, we can win the division." Uh, but I yeah. think CJ Beathard in the Jags could maybe beat uh, the Titans. Uh, CJ didn't have to do too much is what I'm trying to get at against Tennessee. Kind of where is he now that the two weeks off with the concussion and then this week not having to shoulder and throw the ball 50 times uh, to win a game? Where is he in his health and everything like that going into this game? Yeah, I think CJ is back to full health. He he started to feel normal after that first drive. You know, in regards to the concussion, he passed the concussion protocol, so he has no issues with that. And then you had the other ailments he had. He had a shoulder. His shoulder was sore. But after sitting out three weeks or two and a half weeks, you know, he's feeling a lot better. So 
You know, he looked great. Um, they got him into a rhythm last week against the Titans, having him throw some quick throws just to get him back. And, and you know, he didn't miss a beat after that. The Titans really did their best to take away the deep shot. So, CJ was a little frustrated about that. Um, and, and I expect the Colts probably do the same because the Texans are at their best when they're throwing the deep ball. But I, I don't think CJ is – the Texans are going to unleash him as much as possible. There are no limitations on him. He's not affected by the injury moving forward. But they do want to keep him off the ground and, and keep him from potentially suffering another serious injury as well. So they're going to have an emphasis on protecting him. Yeah, I was going to say the Colts have a new single-season record this year with sacks, and they have four guys with at least seven sacks this year. Um, so they've been balling out on the defensive front. But from your perspective, I think one of the things that Houston might be able to exploit is the Colts' secondary, which is still very young. Kenny Moore, his health is up in the air. Um, what has Nico Collins meant to this Texans offense, especially since Tank Dell went down? Yeah, Nico really, since take that has gone down, has really been the only uh, deep threat option, uh, which is why it's critical for him to be healthy. He suffered an injury at the Jets game and missed uh, the next game. And he since come back and he looks, uh, he looks good enough. But, yeah, he's been huge because those first two years, we saw flashes of potential, but we just weren't really sure coming out of Michigan. But he kept he suffered injuries in his first two years that kept kept him off the field. He also didn't have you know quarterback to throw him those deep passes and an offense that was very limited. And with CJ, him and CJ have developed a great connection, and he's taken a step, a major step forward, taking a lot care of his taking care of his body. Uh, that was one emphasis uh, that he focused on this offseason, and it's paid off. And he's turned into a number one wide receiver. If he could have another season like this, another thousand yard season. He's definitely a number one receiver, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, you he's been critical. And if he's not on, then that's where the Texans could struggle because, like I mentioned, he's their only deep threat option, so they need him. Um, and, and they've gone to him quite often when he's been healthy uh, these last few games. What so, you're yeah, saying that's, is uh... – That's one area the Colts could exploit. So what you're saying is Colts fans just have to like surround the bus and make sure Nico Collins does not get off in time for the game because I mean that dude has been balling out this year looking at his career numbers you know you go from about 400 yards your first two seasons to like you said dealing with the injury stuff to now 1100 yards going into the season finale so we'll see. Jonathan Alexander yeah. joins us uh, from the Houston Chronicle. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this Tuesday. You know, running the football as someone who had Damian Pierce in a couple different fantasy leagues, it hasn't been him. It's been Devin Singletary. How big of a surprise is it that Singletary has become the number one running back? And, you know, as for the running game, what do the Texans need to do in the game on Saturday to complement C.J. Stroud with the running game? Yeah, I would say that it's been a little bit of a surprise because Damian Pierce came in as the number one option for the Texans after the year that he had had a super impressive year. He was a front runner for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. He wasn't going to win the award, but he was one of the top three guys before he suffered the injury. Um, but they had, they came in with a new offensive system, new offensive coordinator, uh, a different run scheme, and Damian Pierce hadn't adjusted well. That Devin Singletary had had experience in that offensive system, and he had done well with the Bills. So. It was a little bit of a surprise, but not so much because Devin Singletary has so much experience and he's been able to take advantage of it. And he's had three 100-yard rushing games in the past eight weeks. Uh, so it's going to be critical. They, they have to get him running the ball, uh, Devin Singletary running the ball. 
um, because when he runs the ball effectively, um, when he runs for over 100 yards, they're 3-0, and and that balances the passing attack out, takes some of the pressure off C.J. Stroud. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be critical for the Texans if they want to beat the Colts. You know, James, I'm looking at it. He's right, 3-0 and when he's over 100 yards. But even go back, you know, Cincinnati and Arizona, the big outputs there, and then against Tennessee a couple weeks ago, even a nice game against the Titans last week was 16 for 80. That's five per. Uh, but you're right, Jonathan. I mean, you, you go back and you look at the Cleveland loss, um, you know, even the Jets. I know it was five yards per carry, just 65 yards. The Jets loss. Definitely Jacksonville, Carolina. You go back and look at some of those games when they're not running the ball. When he hasn't ran the ball very well, uh, they they haven't been. Uh, they they listen. They haven't been the offense. They haven't been as good of a team. If I ask you to pinpoint two or three things that need to happen in the game on Saturday for the Texans to win, what would they be? Uh, I would say they have to take care of the football. Number one, they can't turn the ball over. Um, they've got to get pressure on Garner Minshew. Y'all remember that first game? Texans didn't get pressure, any pressure on Garner Minshew, and, and he gassed them. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two things. And then I think they've got to run the ball for sure. They've got to compliment C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud can't put – I mean, he can put the team on his back, but ideally that's not what you want. You want a balanced attack. So they got to run the ball, uh, take care of the football, and get pressure on, on, on the quarterback. Jonathan, moving to the defense side of the ball, what has Will Anderson meant for this defense? Obviously, the other top pick, who maybe doesn't get as enough shine or as, as much praise as C.J. Stroud because obviously one's a franchise quarterback, the other guy's a defensive stud. But seeing him kind of mature throughout the season, what could he do to affect this game? Yeah, it's funny. I asked early in the year, I asked Will how he thought about not really getting as much attention, and he said he loved it. You know, he's kind of flying under the radar being that C.J. Stroud gets most of the attention as a number two pick, and that's rare for a number three guy. But, yeah, I think it's interesting with, with Will Anderson. He hasn't had the stat numbers early on, and a lot of fans, I thought, unfairly criticized him um, uh, because he wasn't getting a lot of sacks. But, you know, that doesn't tell the whole story. Will Anderson is the team captain. Uh, he has a punt block, has a field goal block. He's been impactful on this team in a lot of different ways, and, he had two sacks in, in a limited and only 12 snaps uh, last week. He's on a limited snap count, has a high ankle sprain, he's still dealing with. Um, but when he's on the field, he makes a, a, an enormous impact, and they're, they're going to need him. Um, and I think that uh, if, if he, he has the potential definitely to be a Pro Bowl caliber guy, and he's going to impact this game in some way, even if he does, is on the field just a few snaps. Yeah, sacks aren't everything, but I mean, you you look at but the two and twelve snaps. No, no but what Goodness I'm gracious. yeah, in six in the last six weeks <laughs> and four in the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, he, he's he's come on and well, yeah. I mean, that was I remember you know going back to to week two. It was like man, it was like people already questioning the pick. I mean, it's like week two, uh, <laughs> and I think that's going to be just fine. Jonathan Alexander with us, uh, D'Amico Ryan's, you know, boy, until Stefanski and the whole Joe Flacco thing, perhaps even what Shane Steichen has done here in Indiana. Indianapolis, Jonathan, uh, D'Amico Ryans has to be right at the top of the list of, of coach of the year, and especially if the Texans were to walk in into Lucas Oil and win on Saturday. Where has he impressed you this season as a first-year head coach? Yeah, I think just the kind of command and the, the reputation he came in with. You know, a lot of people looked at, you know, what he did at San Francisco, and, and so they were inclined to follow him. But then the other factor 
one part that's been underrated is the fact that he was a player and he did it at a high level. So, um, you know, a lot of the players on the team, when I talk to them, they talk about, yeah, we saw that he did it at a high level. So that's what made us follow him. Um, and I think what's impressing me most really is D'Amico has, you know, put the credit on the players. It, it hasn't been him. It's been his players. You know, he, he often says you're only as good as, as the players you have. And, 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 you know, they got guys like C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson and did have Tank Dell and, and they're having success because of it. And, yeah, I think he's definitely top three in Coach of the Year candidates, Kevin Stefanski, uh, Shane Tyson right now, number two, and, and D'Amico Ryan's number three. Yeah. Of course, this Week 18 game could determine, you know, where they are. But, you know, it's, it's definitely impressive where the Texans were. They were, the, were, in my opinion, the worst team in the league, and even with the Bears having a worse record. I thought they were worse. They were had the sixth worst rushing yards allowed in a single season in NFL history. Now they're ranked third. They they haven't allowed a single 100-yard rusher. I think Zach Moss had the most rushing yards against them all season. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's helped turn this, this team around, you know, big time. Well, Jonathan, we appreciate it, man. Safe, uh, safe travels up here over the weekend. Take care. We'll catch up down the road. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, there we go. Jonathan Alexander from the Houston Chronicle uh, visiting us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, by the way, just in case people were wondering, uh, the Colts get they get the they get the number one they get the number one crew on Saturday. JB, did you see that? They get Buck and Aikman and Lisa Salters. I did see that. I mean. Hey, it's prime time. It's lit. Everybody <laughs> wants to be in Indianapolis now. I've been here for a few years. They're welcome to it's come. Beca- it's because of you. Yes, we're they very can hospitable. Stay with you. Yes, they can come, you know, check the place out. Uh, so it's going to be a fun one again on Saturday night. Let's take a break on the other end. One more time. We'll wrap it up. Tuesday edition right here on The Fan. Yeah, appreciate James Boyd hanging out with us. One more segment to go. Reminder, you miss any of the shows here. You can check out the Podcast Center or listen live 1075thefan.com. Query and company coming your way at noon, JMV uh, at 3 o'clock. A couple different programming reminders, the main one being on Saturday, okay? So we have Pacers and Colts. Everything's happening all at once, okay? And downtown's going to be fun. It's going to be crazy. Good to to own a parking lot downtown (laughs) in Uh, was yeah. on Saturday. Uh, so beginning, uh, we'll obviously have all the pregame stuff for the Colts. Okay, we'll have all the pregame. At 6.30, we will go to the Pacers here on the fan. It's Pacers and Celtics. We'll go to them, and then we'll go to the Colts here on the fan after, when all of that is done. You know, maybe 10 o'clock, 10.30, uh, something like that. You will be able to hear all of the pregame all of the game, all of the post game on Hank FM 97.1 uh, here locally in Indianapolis. So I know we'll have promos. We'll be talking about that, but it's going to be a very busy, busy night here uh, on the stations here uh, with Radio One. One quick note: Do you play fantasy football at all? I do not. Okay, I, I didn't. I I had you stereotyped as not playing fantasy yeah, football. Yeah, I try to stay in reality. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just Hard another. Enough. It's just another way to lose money. Uh, <laughs> it, it, at least you know. At least for me, 59% of teams in fantasy football finals had Christian McCaffrey on their team. Fifth, and that's on ESPN. That's per ESPN, 59%. Mark, who won our league? Uh, it's still going on. Is it our, still our going league on? shockingly goes into week 18, so oh, that should be God. fun. But 
We've got two listeners, and I believe there's a gift card on the line. I have to ask Kevin about that. There's some sort of pretty solid gift card okay, coming, yeah, we'll but come I, up don't, with I don't remember what it is that, that we have a sponsor for that. So it's down to two, week 18. That should be fun throwing lineups together at the last second. <laughs> yeah, given that, you know, the Ravens aren't going to play, Christian McCaffrey's not going to play. There's a bunch of guys uh, who may not play. And then, James, you'll love this. Sports radio thing. I totally forgot about this. Uh, me and Mark Dighton have a six-pack on essentially the game on mm-hmm. Saturday. Yeah. He said the Texans are going to make the playoffs, and I said they're not going to make the playoffs. Oh. And so it's all coming down. Uh, it's all coming down to Saturday night. I will as happily well. give up a beer if it means the Colts make the playoffs. I was going to say, I know Mark's be sweating like, I need this. No, I need this. <laughs> no. We'd rather have the Colts win than him have a six pack. I'll, I'll bring the six pack in and we can drink it anyway. You know? Sure. It's not that, that. It's, not, it's not that big. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, I Let's hit the open on our headlines. I can't read it. There's no there's no words on it. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. Ripped from the headlines of the newspaper. We'll do it live! F*** it. Post-game headlines. F***ing thing sucks! Alright, so Mark, I know you're going to have a couple, but there's two here, and I love my man Tim, but I, I got to get on him. He has frustrating way to win, okay? And then, Jay, and then Jason put, uh, again, five words or less on the win on Sunday. Put Gus on the outbound bus. Can I say this about Gus Bradley? James, let's talk about this even more tomorrow. The dude's got Nick Cross, who was benched last year, who is a second-year guy. He's got Ronnie Harris in the defensive backfield, who, by the way, was playing linebacker, what, three weeks ago. And he's got two rookie cornerbacks. And they found a way to win that game. I know people aren't in love with Gus Bradley. I get it. But this was about let Devontae Adams have his. Don't, you know, this was about stopping the run and not letting anyone else go crazy. And I thought the defense, listen, I know they only had two sacks. I thought the defense did a fine job on Sunday. Yeah. against the Raiders. It wasn't great. Look, it wasn't perfect. But again, he's dealing with three, four, five inexperienced players at vital positions. Yeah, and they lost Julian Blackman. I know we haven't talked about that at all today. but They lost Kenny Moore. Yeah, so again, you look at what they had to go through to get there. It doesn't matter what it looks like at this point in the season, quite frankly. You don't care about trends, whatever's happened in the past. Just find a way, and if you have one more point than the other team at the end of the game, hey, more power to you. You got any mark yeah. over there that you liked? Holly said Colts gallop towards playoffs. And then Strack like said, now go beat the Texans, which, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. think that's going to be the theme of the show. I like that That one. is. That's yeah. what it's going to be. One in spite of speed. Yeah, EJ Speed catching some heat. There's no doubt. <laughs> no, he's catching some heat. At least he got, at least he got, at least, at least they got the onside kick. Well, look, they didn't get the onside kick. It'd be an entirely different story today. Say what you want. They need that guy out there to play well. And he has played well. There's moments where you can always criticize him or other players, but he's been really good no, in he's the taking, increased role he's taking his, He's taken his game up exactly. since the opportunity. So, James, appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be breaking it all down, getting you ready for the Colts and Texans. Greeny coming up next.